Welcome, my friends. This is Spencer Michaud, and today we are going to be talking about the astrology of August. I am joined here by my good friend, Dr. Claire Moon of Aligning Light Astrology. Welcome, Claire. How are you doing today? Hello. Thanks for having me back. I'm doing great. Thanks so much. Yeah, this is fun. And uh, so we're going to be going through a pretty detailed analysis in Mars and Virgo style of uh, the astrology of the month, um, kind of breaking it down into decanic sections. So 10 degree sections of where the sun's going to be moving through. Um, if you are out there in digital land, let us know where you are and where you're coming from in the chat box. And we'll keep an eye on that. If you have any questions, feel free to put those into the question. And if you could do us a great favor, hit that like button. Uh, if you're not subscribed to the channel and you're new, make sure you're subscribed. Turn on that notification bell. Uh, check out Claire at Aligning Light Astrology as well and subscribe to all her uh, social medias and things of that nature because she has a lot of great content on her Instagram and on her website. And are you uh, YouTubing now or are you, is that not yet? Uh. It's asleep. It's asleep. I have a few <laughs> videos. Um, I actually have one really awesome video on stargazing. Go check it out. Nice. I'm hoping to come back someday, but you know life. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, well, one step at a time, right? And um, right. and for those of you out there, I just did post my um, Deccan workshop that I did for Nightlight Astrology. So check that out on my channel. It's called Face Off, Incorporating the Deccans into Your Astrological Practice. Um, there's some good stuff on there and feel free to reach out if you have any questions about that. All right. I'm seeing some people coming in in the chat box here. EK White says, Hey, I made it. Looking forward to hearing about August. Jody is here. Says, hi, Spencer. Hi, Claire. Hello, Jody. Nice to see you. Uh, Tarja is here from Finland. So our Finland crew is stopping Hello. by. Um, <laughs> EK says, munching popsicles in Madison. Oh, we got another Madison, Fred. What? Popsicles are my favorite. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> So you're coming to us from Madison, right, Claire? Yeah, yeah. What the heck? That's so cool. Oh, my God. We need to connect. <laughs> How are things going in the Badger State? Oh, they've been just fine. Uh, we've been getting rain, so I can't complain. And that's yeah. pretty much what it comes down to. So. And, and you and I were talking on your the, that cool thing you do, the uh, office hours on Tuesdays about the state of Wisconsin <clears throat> going into a frenzy because of the Milwaukee Bucks and their, their championship. Oh, yeah. What yeah. am I talking about? The most important thing, our first championship in 50 years. Wow. Yeah, <laughs> and so. everybody's in a great mood, which is like, that's the my favorite part. <laughs> isn't, isn't that the best when, when the whole community is getting rallying behind some kind of shared sense of purpose and, and they actually are able to fulfill the longing and the dream and the desire? That's, it's got to be a great feeling. Being Especially in poor Milwaukee. <laughs> right, right. Totally. Totally. Um, I've been playing some basketball with my daughter in the, the backyard lately, and she's really getting into it. So it's fun. Mm -hmm. We've been watching the Olympics and things like that. So yeah, cool. A um, couple more people dropping in. Laura is here from Brunswick, Maine. Oh, very cool. That's a place that I would like to visit at some point. Tanya is here from inside the house. Hello, Tanya. <laughs> Tanya was has been a guest the last few times and is now, uh, you know, coming to us from the chat box inside the house. Tarya is, uh, says that they are crashing the party here from Finland, or Tanya is crashing the party. So yes, Tanya is crashing our party. All right. Yes. Tanya says she's spectating today. Okay. So 
Claire, any any updates with you and your astrological services or anything you want to get out there before we dive into it? Oh, yeah, that would be great. Thank you. Um, yeah, so one event coming up on the 8th of August, um, Tristan Sky, who's another <clears throat> professional astrologer, excuse me, <clears throat> Tristan Sky and I are going to do a new moon in Leo workshop. So you can sign up for that. It's by donation. There's a tiered thing. It's like five to 25 bucks, whatever you can give. And we're just going to break down the new moon in Leo. It's going to be a nice reset. Um, it'll be useful for all Leo things in the future, but you can sign up for that on my website or on his website. Um, it's all over my Instagram. So um, aligninglightastrology.com for that. And then I think, I think that's it. I think that's it. That's, that's enough, right? I'm just doing consults. I'm just <laughs> yeah. like in consult land, which is incredible. Yeah, it's fun. That's fun. Yeah. Okay. Are we ready to, to go on an epic journey of the astrology of August? I believe we are. So I'm going to share my screen and we'll start taking a look at it. Got a couple more people uh, dropping in here. We've got um, Nadini from Charlotte, North Carolina. Hello, my friend. And Tracy coming from Tucson, Arizona. Very exciting that we're having uh, people coming from from all around mm -hmm. saying hi in the chat. All right, Claire, any overall thoughts about the month before we kind of get into the nitty gritty? Any, any big picture thoughts that you have? Um, I mean, I think kind of one of the fun things that I saw, at least in, in that first decade of the month, mm -hmm. was all of the stuff going across Uranus. Um, yeah. We've got Mercury, Mars, and Venus all going to be interacting with Uranus and the sun, too. Or maybe it wasn't Mars. It was it was three, three of them, though. And it's like all in rapid succession. So I feel like it's just kind of like a self-discovery jackpot with the Kazemi, too. It's just like, it's great. Yes. I love it. Yeah, that was something that stuck out to me too, the Kazemi starting off the month. So we're definitely getting uh, some kind of new download here in the beginning of the month mm -hmm. um, that may be shaking us out of some kind of old um, habit, routine. Uh, Uranus is hanging out in the second decade of Taurus right now. And Austin Kopic talks a lot about uh, rhythm with that particular decade and the, the consistency with Uranus there. It's been shaking us up out of our routines and asking us to really kind of make this new this new start with that with that mm -hmm. particular position and we're gonna have a lot of squares with the with sun and mercury but also some trines with with mars and and venus like you're pointing out so there's going to be some challenges that are going to shake up our our egos potentially a little bit <laughs> but yeah. also right right but <laughs> but we'll also be able to kind of utilize some of this energy i think to to make you know a new start and get get in alignment with whatever the universe has in store for us, I think. Mm -hmm. So Samantha's here. Samantha's here from from Detroit. Nice to see you, Sam. Sammy. I know that that's that's the nickname they prefer, Sammy. Nice to see you, my friend. Um, okay. So we're what we're going to do is we're going to break down the three decans that the sun's going to move through through August, and then kind of get into those nitty gritties of the daily. So Claire, the first decan that we're looking at here is Leo two, which is the six of wands decan. So we've got a double Jupiter ruled decan that Austin Coppock calls a crown of laurels. This card's also called victory in the book T in the book of Toth. And I, I, there's a story that was coming up with this that I thought was interesting. And I'm, I'm curious to, to hear 
what you think about this uh, as we move forward. Um, they talked about the story of the triumphus, which is a the, the story in this card is a lavish parade, basically that was celebrating a military victory, and the the vir triumphus was a was a, a quote unquote man of triumph that was called the king for a day, and they would parade through the town and they would go and make a sacrifice at the temple of Zeus. So we've got that Jupiter decking coming in. So some kind of victory, but I, I think the um, they were also talking about the humility necessary to have your success tested and how can you deal with, you know, becoming the special, do you know what I'm saying? Without losing your, your humility. Um, what do you think about that? What are some strategies for that? Do you think <laughs> <laughs> with all your success recently? <laughs> That's so great. Yeah. I mean, receiving constructive feedback is a lifelong journey, I yeah. think. Um, but that's the that's the quest essentially. What's interesting though that really that my mind went to immediately when you said like king for a day was just like the impermanent nature. It sounds like you know when they would take they like they're just taking some random layperson and like throwing them on a horse, putting them in a parade, and then being like it's you today. But that's so impermanent. Like right. that's going to be over so quickly. It's like they say it right in the sentence, right? Yeah. Um, so I think keeping that in the back of your head is probably like really good fuel for for humility. Um, just remembering like nothing lasts forever. And that's usually we we try to remind ourselves of that when things are bad, but also when things are good, which could be pessimistic, but I think it's just reasonable. Well, yeah, you're exactly right on. And, and hitting staying in the moment, right? I think that was one of the, that's really a theme of Leo is being present. Um, and we're, we're really being challenged with that right now, aren't we, with these Aquarian planets? I mean, I mean, one of the things we experienced in the last week with July was Jupiter backtracking back into Aquarius and uh, losing some of that dignity that we had in, in Pisces. And uh, to the day, the CDC was like, hey, you might, you know, we're, we might have been a little jumping the gun with that no mask thing. You might want to try to wear some masks again. Yeah. Because we saw CDC saying, hey, uh, all, all bets are off, right? As Jupiter moved into Pisces and literally when it backed out, they're, they're backtracking and, and mm -hmm. taking back some of those freedoms. Mm -hmm. um, one thing I wanted to ask you about too is, I know we were briefly in our in our kind of bullpen warm up for this. We were talking about the Olympics a little bit, but one of the things the story is that's been on the news a little bit that's been hard to miss is uh, the Olympic gymnast Simone Biles uh, mm -hmm. had to with, withdraw due to, due to some mental health challenges with her. Um, I guess they would call it the twisties was, was the yeah. term that came up, right? Um, yeah. I thought that was really fascinating because it really fits with the Jupiter in the third decan of Aquarius type of vibe. Um, one of the things we've been going over was in the last month is that those oppositions. And one of the things that I've, I've struggled with is as a first decan or third, third decan, sorry, third decan Leo ascendant, um, that decan is sort of about standing your ground and, and fighting and being courageous. And uh, where, what decan is your ascendant in again? Your the first uh, decan of Aquarius. Okay, so we've got this like this kind of oh, yeah, com complementary like yeah. you know kind of interesting solar Saturnian thing going on here. Mm -hmm. 
And I've had to really come to terms with like feeling mm, with letting go of like my, my initial impulse of like being disappointed that someone wasn't able to like find the courage to compete and realizing that it's okay to like back off and say it's, it's my within my own best interest and mental health to like, to leave something. Do you see what I'm saying? Like with Jupiter coming back? Oh, it's so difficult. What, um, what do you think is going through Simone's head and, and, and what do you think we're, we're dealing with as a community coming to terms with, with that kind of, uh, I don't know, consciousness that we're coming to terms with? Yeah, it's kind of like an archetype coming out, isn't it? it that's yeah. what it feels like to me um, for all of us to have a learning moment with. Uh, so thanks, Simone Biles, for giving this, this teaching to all of us. Um, <clears throat> what's going through her head? I have no idea. I'd be frustrated. I'd be so frustrated because like what I heard about the twisties is like this is a a balance thing and like it's not safe because like if you're if you're like you know doing a lot of different sports that are very ter- uh terrarian like on the ground that's one thing but if you're flipping through the air you're gonna right. literally break your neck and not be able to ever perform for the u.s again totally. um which is like i don't get why people don't get that like my saturn is coming out and i'm just like it's like kind of a black and white thing there for me but I'm also a medical professional so I'm like okay yeah this is nothing to nothing to mess with um but just the psychological component to it the mental health aspect that's been brought up with it um I think it's just so important for all of us to be listening to that and and being like yeah and like the third decan of Aquarius is this very hyper analytical should I stay should I go is this worth doing or not um and that's come kind of opposed with what you're talking about which is also this very seemingly innate inherent desire to to shine in a way that we want to and to be courageous and all of these things and I'm sure that that you know we're all having the I'd be very interested to know what her chart was to see which houses this was going on in for her (laughs) and then I might be able to answer that question but yeah I I don't know her ascendant but I do know she's a she's a Pisces sun and she has mercury in Pisces as Mm -hmm. well so I'm curious if she's having like a Mercury perfection year or something like that, where, you know, just even just the, the, the cognitive functioning, like was kind of having some difficulty, like, you mm-hmm. know, with all the pressure, she's under a lot of pressure. Um, mm-hmm. I have to admit my first, my first reaction was I was disappointed and I was like, oh man, I like, you know, what a moment to be able to like pull out. But as I've learned more about the situation you and what you, the point that you bring up is a really important one that it's, it's physically very dangerous like she could like you said break her neck and become paralyzed if she if she isn't able to perform at this you know at that level especially with the way that she you know the type of um gymnastics that she does which is so difficult the degree of difficulty Mm -hmm. is so high Mm -hmm. and that made me really think about jupiter as this you know what are we receiving honor and merit for and it's moving into that third decan with this seven of swords where the honor and merit is knowing when to say when and when to leave something behind as opposed to the seven of wands kind of experience where we're standing our ground and saying, no, I'm going to, you know, do this at all costs. And that's, that's gonna, I think that is going to play out over August too, because we're going to have a full moon that's going to be opposing these two things. Um, again, it, this was just the difficult thing for me to relate to because I live in that third decan of, of Leo 
And I was like, oh, I got, oh, you know, this, you know, you got to kind of get over it. Yeah. I thought about what if we flip it though? What if we completely like reframe it opposite? What if like her Leo third Deccan moment for her is like standing in her own autonomy being like, uh, no, this is actually what we're doing. I like that. Yeah. Like that's her lion moment, you know, um, yeah. when the rest of us are like, you know, it's like price is right. <laughs> you know, everyone's just like yelling behind you and it's like, no, I'm going to, this is my final answer. Yeah. I, I like that reframe where she was advocating for, for herself and her ability to say, Hey, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, this is my limit and I'm going to stay on my ground despite all the pressure that she was under. So I think that's an excellent, mm-hmm. excellent reframe. And, and you're realizing that everybody, everybody's approach, you know, we don't always have the same approach to something. Do you know what I'm saying? Like there's so many different ways to, to, to live here and so many different lessons that we're learning through these experiences. And at the end of the day, Simone Biles is still an Olympic champion and no one's ever going to be able to take that away from her. You know, like, so like, you know, it's pretty, it's pretty incredible to, to see the, the range of human emotions and human experiences play out in something like the Olympics. That's why I love about it. Because not only do you see like the, 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 the height of success and the dreams, you see how people deal with what quote unquote failure. And I, and I wouldn't say that w- she has failed, but like with not achieving what you had set out to do at that moment. Um, but like you said, it's, a, it's maybe her lion moment, her success being able to say, no, this is enough. I have to maintain my um, autonomy and safety going forward. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and, and at the end of the day, a, another American, Suni Lee, was able to win the all around gold in gymnastics, which is really mm-hmm. cool. So pretty neat. Mm-hmm. Um, got some comments coming in here. Uh, says that Tanya says the king for a day sometimes also becomes a sacrifice in the regular king's place. Yeah. Um, Jody says, I'd love to see Simone's chart. Yeah, I'd be really curious to see her rising. I don't know. We don't have a time chart. Tanya's saying that they, she, she doesn't have a time chart. Um, Nandini says it could be because she takes medicine for ADHD that Japan bans. That's an interesting angle. Um, that she didn't have the type of, uh, normal kind of, um, stuff that she needed to, to get through the day. Um, Tanya says our girl has a Pisces sun with a Gemini moon. She has that retrograde Jupiter backing all away from her sun, Venus and Mercury, and they're all bunched up. Um, okay. Tanya says as a black woman, I love seeing her rejecting the call to sacrifice her body and safety. It's really powerful. Yes. Amen. Yes. That is definitely another, um, another factor here where we're learning that you know, ex- exploiting people is probably not, not the way to go. Uh, you know, definitely in the Olympics is its own industrial type of complex, isn't it, Claire? Yes. Right? <laughs> like any, prof- yes. any professional sport, right? Yeah, I mean, it's the, the level to which we po- try to possess people and things is absurd. Yeah. I mean, and we do it with celebrities too. I mean, and and this is going to sound, this is a very cynical sidebar, but uh, you know, when a large celebrity dies and everyone's like really bent out of shape about it, I am honestly a little in the back rolling my eyes. I'm like, 
y'all didn't even know this person. They weren't even yours to be sad about. Like, why are we possessing these people? Like, yeah. And I, I love that. That's what I'm thinking about with my reframe is like, she was yeah. like, no, this is my autonomy and my sovereignty. This is what I'm doing. Totally. Totally. It, it, definitely mm-hmm. a teachable moment for sure. And helping yeah. to shift the perspective on, on what we really need to be uh, happy, what we need to, what we consider success. I think that's another another interesting thing and angle to look at this from. Um, so, so yeah, some really interesting stuff playing out. Uh, this is just kind of hearkening back to that full moon that we had in, in Leo that was opposing the, the solar type of experience versus the Saturnian experience with the moon and Saturn, like kind of the, this Olympics, you know, Tanya and I were talking about this with this Olympics, there's going to be something funky with this Olympics because usually it's about like this Leo, like, I don't know, trying to become the special one, but we have this like kind of uh, coming to fullness of of the exile of like, you know, the kind of that opposite type of energy, seeing the big picture, taking the long-term view versus just living in that moment. And we, we saw that with Simone's, um, with her bravery in, in taking that long-term view. Mm-hmm. All right. So let's start breaking it down here. What do you say? Yeah, that sounds great. Mercury on the first, we're looking at August 1st, we've got a Kazemi moment. Mm-hmm. What do you think about this Mercury Kazemi? What what kind of messages do you think we're going to be getting in this area of the Zodiac? Yeah, I love it. I, I mean, we've had so much activity in Leo, like we've had Mars, Venus going through. I feel like that was very telling for a lot of us. I feel like um, if we were kind of paying attention, a lot of preferences coming through, a lot of, oh, I do not like that. And I maybe do like this, or I want this to go a certain way. And now I feel like Mercury's come in, that that has been kind of marinating for a little bit. And now we're ready to kind of, I think, sit down with all of our Leo stuff in our life and be like, okay, what do I want this area of my life to look like? Um, and hopefully with the Kazemi, if we can find some stillness on this day uh, and just kind of sit with ourselves and, um, like observe our mind a little bit hopefully it'll become clear what we want this area of our life to look like um maybe not time to act or say anything or do anything about it but like you were saying at the very beginning like downloads yeah yeah we're getting in that that now this is in the final degrees of first second leo which is five five of wands energy where we're trying to figure out who we are you know what where our authenticity lies so there may be some questions that come up with who are we really? You know, what what kind of personas are we going to put put on as a mask? This is something that Austin Kopic talks about with this deck and is the masks that we wear, mm. the performances that we put on. Um, and I think it's really fascinating because almost immediately on the same day, Mercury is going to separate and come into an opposition with Saturn. Mm-hmm. So we may see that maybe the limitations that are involved with the types of you know, masks that we wear, the type of personas that we're trying to, to put on, the, the type of un- integrity that we're trying to get and uncover. That was another theme that keeps coming up to me with Leo is how can we become more of our authentic self? And Mercury is moving really fast with this conjunction. There's two, two conjunctions with the Kazemi, right? And this is the superior one where Mercury's screaming, you know, it's like, whoo! It's degrees a day, just beep, beep, beep. Right. right. And it usually moves really slow with the retrograde conjunction. Um, this is this is kind of a neat little tidbit here, Claire. Is uh what's his name? Gary Caton talks about um this conjunction potentially being Hermes 
visiting Olympus and trying to bring something home for, or to the earth from the realm of the gods, rather than the retrograde one being Hermes going into the underworld and unearth something. So maybe there's some ideas that are coming down from the ethereal realms that we're able to bring down to earth. That would be nice. Yeah, wouldn't it? That sounds good. That sounds, <laughs> that's fun. <laughs> like, um, yeah, it's I and I say I would say too. I, I didn't mention with this with Saturn being opposite. It feels because like the order of operations that happens if you go like minute by minute. Mm -hmm. If we're gonna do the, do the Virgo thing, is like yeah. Mercury uh, goes through the heart of the sun, and then immediately after, I mean, it's already been applying to uh, Saturn, but now it's gonna actually be making that opposition with Saturn like right afterwards. So it feels to me like you know, um, all the texts say you have the ear of the king, or the king has, or the the messenger has the king's ear essentially, and so whatever uh, messages the king has or that it has for the king, they can exchange, and then whatever planning or whatever insights come out of that, then I feel like Mercury is like trying to deliver it to the dark lord yeah. and to be like uh well this is what we would like like to do or this is who how we would like to express ourselves and then the dark lord saturn is like um really like no <laughs> have, have you considered this have you considered the ramifications like, look around you this is the situation um so but yeah. i also don't think it's that binary of like right. yeah or, yay or nay it's it's kind of like it i think of it more like an engineer it's like mm. every person who's trying to create something uh who's trying to express themselves there's some there's always going to be some parameter that you have to deal with uh so like an engineer has to deal with cost of materials um all kind i don't know i'm not an engineer but i know they have to like have a lot of things that they that are restricting their design um and what they come up with, I mean, that's how you get creativity too, is because you're forced to do things and these like constraining things. But that that's also what this feels like to me. It's not like you can't do the thing. It's not like you can't express yourself in these ways that you've kind of figured out like, yeah, this is how I want to express myself in this area of life. Um, it, you just have to, I guess, be mindful of these restrictions. It sounds not fun, but that's what I see. <laughs> totally, totally. You're, you're spot on. And, and, and it's... I think it's, um, there will be impulses of saying, okay, this is what I'm going to try on next, but we're also going to be shown the, the blueprint and the restrictions that we may have to work within. And maybe like, I'm almost just thinking off the top of my head, we're seeing a lot of like COVID restrictions coming back as right. well. Super so, literally right there in front of us. Like yeah. that's right there. So we're like, yeah, we want to go do this. We've got these ideas, but then it's like, well, yeah, but maybe here's, here's this stuff that is bigger than you, that is outside of your control, that, that where your individual impulse may have to come into alignment with the collective good. Mm -hmm. And I, th I think that's a really difficult thing. That's, and that's something we're really navigating quite a bit right now is living in the, our moment and being present versus thinking about the long-term and you know the collective good. Right. Okay. A couple more comments filtering in here. Nadini is saying, I'm glad she's offering us, I think this is a uh, Simone, I'm glad she's offering us an opportunity to discuss all facets of her decision. But I'm also a little disappointed that she has to explain herself. Yeah, I mean, she doesn't really owe yes. anybody anything, right? Thank you. That's so important. Yeah. <laughs> like um, Samantha says, the masks we wear. The CDC connections again, possibly. Yeah, interesting, right? I didn't even think about that. That's so funny. That's, I mean, it's not funny, but it's like, yeah. 
so perfect. It's a good insight. I'm, I've, I've been enjoying getting to know Samantha over the last few weeks too. Uh, I'm hoping to have her on the show eventually here. She's a great wow. astrologer. Check her out at um, Samantha. What is your, I'm trying to figure out what her handle is on Instagram, but Samantha Menzo on Instagram, check her out. She's a, a, an intelligent uh, person as well. Susanna says, hey, from Finland, I can't stay long, but I wanted to come and say hi. Hello, Susanna. Thank you for, for representing Finland. Let us know if any of your, have any of your athletes been, been uh, have any great stories in the Olympics, uh, if you pay attention to that kind of thing. Um, Tanya says, uh, Nadini, right? The, the fact that she has to justify and take so much heat is infuriating. Hopefully this paves the way for a different story for elite athletes, especially women and young folks. Yeah, and, and I will I will admit my own failings with this too. My my attitude at first was was I was I was angry, <laughs> like more, more so because I I just and I, I'm not right on this. I, I've I've realized the error of my ways, and because okay. yeah, you know we're we're human, we're flawed. I, I've I've built an entire kind of narrative in my own mind about kind of that Rocky Balboa, like pick yourself up off the mat and do it no matter what. And that's worked for me in a lot of situations. But what I've had to come to terms with is that that doesn't have to be the way that you approach every single situation and that courage can be displayed in a different way than the normal, I don't know, machismo type of way of like just powering through and, and suffering and sacrificing your body at any cost. Mm -hmm. And that's something I've really had to come to terms with over the last few, few weeks. Um, and I'll, I'll admit that, that that was hard for me to relate to at first. But as I've talked to Tanya and I've, I've kind of seen more of the situation come out and, un, and understood more about where Simone was coming from, it, it has helped me shift that perspective to be able to learn. And, and what's how, how beautiful is that, that that story is, I hope that I'm not alone in that, that it's kind of bringing me around to like, okay, I, I, now I, I can see that. I can see that from a new perspective. So, um. So we're saying, we've got Laura saying, I consider the hermit aspect of Saturn taking message into meditative state. Okay, good. Freeman's here from Birmingham, Alabama. Thank you, Freedom, for showing up. Freedom, Freeman, Freeman had some really nice comments about the Deccan presentation that I did recently. So thank you, Freeman, for spreading the word on that. Um, Samantha says, at Cloud9 Studios. Thanks, friends. I'm loving this talk so far. Yes, check Samantha out at Cloud9 Studios on Instagram and on YouTube. So, okay. So we, can we move forward? Can we move forward here? Yeah, I think so. So we've got the, the Kazemi moment, which is important. We've got the opposition with Saturn, um, some themes about standing our ground and being in the moment versus the long term and, and t transitioning to something in our life. Uh, one thing I want to add with that is I, the notes I wrote down was potential maybe mental blocks with Saturn in uh, Aquarius. Uh, there's a woman that I'm reading, Jan uh, Joy Usher, in the Tiny Universe, where she talks about Saturn and Aquarius being this kind of glass ceiling kind of energy, where there are these ideas that may be limiting rather than physical limitations. Um, so there may be also some kind of victory as we move forward to the second day here. Remember, because we've got that victory parade that may be sort of denied to us with this, with Saturn and the Sun having in this opposition here right? That we want the parade, but <laughs> we gotta, you know, maybe go off into the background or something like that. What do you think about the Sun-Saturn opposition on the 2nd of August here? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, we just talked about 
you know, what you said, the very Midwestern explanation that you gave for toil and really sticking to, you know, pulling yourself up and being right. strong at all times with all the things. Um, that's a really fixed, rigid mindset that yeah. we have, uh, especially uh, over here in the West. It seems. It's burned um, into us, though, isn't it? It, it, it? Like the way we were raised here in this area? Oh, the Midwest, it's even yeah. worse. Yeah, yeah, yeah totally. Um, add some stoicism, sprinkle in some stoicism. Uh, who who has time for self-expression, right? Yeah. Um, but no, with this, I mean, that's really, uh, that's kind of the, a good illustration of this energy a little bit yeah. is, you know, wanting to self-express, wanting to engage and exude and be in the moment. Um, but, you know, set that Saturnian, like, but we need to plan and we need to be serious at all times. And, uh, but all of that, like mindsets, very rigid, uh, you know, I think about the differences between Capricorn, Saturn and um, Aquarius, Saturn. And I think of physical earthen structures versus uh, the kind of structures we can't see, like systems, like yes. blockchain, like these things are pretty, they're pretty nested in to what they are, not where they are, but what they are. Um, yeah. And you can't exactly like it's they're They're a little trickier to take apart. Totally. Yeah. yeah. Because, because we can't see it. It's mm -hmm. something that that people have trouble believing in. And, and this is something we really, as that Jupiter-Saturn conjunction came at the last winter solstice, that type of thing has really been in our consciousness is, you know, we're trying to shift from that earth elemental age to an air one where we have to kind of get into that space where we can use our minds and our intellects even if we can't see the immediate physical result of that, right? And trust that. Yes, that so, too. So that's, that is tough. And, and, and that's what's making this pandemic, I think, so hard for a lot of people that are so used to that old way of thinking of things is they literally can't see it. Mm -hmm. So they think it's not a real thing. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's It's abstract. I mean, Aquarius yeah. is abstract and yeah, not, I mean, not everybody is kind of wired to have that come with ease, you know, and that's just kind of how we are. That's, that's how it works. Totally. Yeah. Okay. So that's, that's August the 2nd here. Um, if we keep on rolling down our, our path through August on the third, we have uh, Venus making a trine to Uranus. So one of the first hits that we have with Uranus. So why don't you break that down for us, uh, Claire, what have you got for Venus and Uranus here? Oh, I love it. Uh, novelty for fun, new things, uh, like new ways of connecting with people, uh, maybe, I mean, pursuing things differently and how you relate with people, um, looking at the details of how you relate with people. And if it's, if it's not going well, do it differently. <laughs> uh, little details, like maybe how we, what we expect of others or what we expect of ourselves in relationship, um, I don't know. Anytime there's Virgo, there's a chance to kind of pick at ourselves, I think. So this is a good opportunity to maybe see that and do it differently. And, you know, uh, it also, like I was beginning with, it could just be as boring as trying a new art, a new chocolate flavor candy bar at the store. Like that's what I do to keep my kind of Venus Uranus situation happy. <laughs> yeah. Well, and it's yeah. a trying too, right? So we've got a trying. Exactly. So it's flowing. It's good. It's, 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 yeah. it feels like, you know, it's easeful. So I don't think it's going to be anything, you know, anything earth shattering. I think it could be fun. I think it could be fun. It could be doing like a new kind of like artsy craftsy thing. Yeah. And Venus is not in her favorite place right now. She's no. in Virgo, which is her, tra her traditionally her, the place of her fall. 
Um, so she's having some, she's struggling to bring harmony. It doesn't mean that there can't be harmonization, but when Venus is in Mercury's house, she's being offered the clay of destabilization of be of separating things out into categories rather than bringing them together so that can be a little frustrating at times but i think you're making great points about appreciating the details appreciating the the physical process that you go through to create beauty in life and um the only other thing i'm seeing on this day is that, that simultaneously we're going to see Venus hit that trine to Uranus, and then Mercury is going to be making a square to the same planet. Mm -hmm. So I'm curious if there's a something really positive throughout the day, and then we maybe have some kind of challenge regarding that. How do we how do we balance these two aspects out? Um, maybe in our pursuit to get our new flavor of candy bar, we forgot to get something for someone else in our our bit of self expression or something. I don't know. Uh, maybe our our focus on our details uh, made us forget something else. I'm not sure because when I look at Mercury and Uranus, that just feels to me like interruptions in communication, mm -hmm. disruptions in our thought process. Um, I mean, Mercury still combusts, so that's not helping. Granted, Mercury's waking yeah. up a bit from that, but not. I mean, they're still. So yeah, I feel like communication isn't looking amazing today so i guess i would just and and mercury is ruling over venus in this case as well right. so that's really flavoring this as well so yeah I, I would just kind of be mindful of i guess your communications on that day yeah with others so, yeah for, for sure and and i think that one thing i would add to that is when you're communicating um try not to get fixated right? We're in fixed sign territory on sort of an ego battle, right? If they're like, if there's not, uh, I saw Giannis have a great quote recently. I'm going to keep harping on him because I, I love Giannis. He's such a genuine soul <laughs> like for what I can see. I don't know him personally, but he had a quote about when he's living in the past, when he's getting all high on his past success, that's his, that's his ego. When he's living in the future, uh, that's his pride, right? Because he has these expectations, but his humility is in that present moment. So I think that it's key to be in that present moment with this Mercury um, while still trying to facilitate shaking up the routine a little bit, right? And not getting attached to one way of doing something. Mm -hmm. I could see this being like, oh, we've got this Venus Uranus trine, but Venus is in Mercury. So we, we're very detailed about, oh, it's got to be this way. And maybe letting go of that is a is a is an exercise in in humility and not getting fixated on that like oh I've got to have it just this way right because you're you're exactly right being uh, Mercury is still combust and it's you know the types of thought processes we have are are not functioning as well as they possibly could once Mercury is going to get out of that you know being harmed by the sun traditionally right mm -hmm. yeah. Okay. And I think uh, so much too with Virgo, I've heard it described as the how of things, yeah. like how we do, how we get it done, you know, versus Pisces is like, however, it'll happen. <laughs> um, so yeah, I think exactly what you're saying about like really fixating on how it's being done and knowing that, like you just said before, there's more than one way to do things. Right. Yeah. Right. And that's, yeah. that's the key with Mercury too, flexibility, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Okay, Sherilyn says Latin translation for competitor, competeer, 
is to seek together friendly competition versus rivalry question mark okay yeah that right? sounds so much nicer i love that <laughs> I like that yeah sherilyn was really pointing out in our last live stream about one of the things we liked about the olympics is that there was uh these nations traditionally were calling a truce in any type of real conflicts to have this like mock battle these these games to play a child's game and i really appreciate that part of it because at the end of the day you see people from different countries competing but then like hugging it out at the end and you know and like appreciating each other's skill and acumen and things like that so something that i really do appreciate about the olympics um tanya says we all need to find unconventional joys and ways to connect as things get restricted and choppy okay yeah like yeah. that um freeman says tanya nice best competition is a mutual striving for the best uh nadini is saying yes tanya taking the the lessons of the past year to reframe how we show up in joy oh this is yes for sherilyn freeman says okay all right so let's keep on rolling i think that gets us through the third um if we move forward to august the 6th we're going to see the sun begin to get into a, a square and the previous days leading up to it um, with, you know, usually I start to feel these, I, I kind of tend to do the traditional three degrees applying type of thing where we really start to feel this energy, um, which is going to happen in the previous three days, like the, the fourth, fifth and sixth type of energy. We're going to feel that sun Uranus square. How, how do you think that the, the sun Uranus square is different than the Mercury square, Claire? I mean, now it's more focused less on, I think, the thought process and more about what's behind that. You know, uh, I'm always, always harping on that meditation. We'll never stop. But this is, it's like, what, who is behind all of this identifying and expressing? Like, and do you, have you actually tried to like, sit with that um or investigating like the the self that is behind your decisions and why you do things the way that you do because with these patterns of taurus and the way that they're being broken up it's like this the square is a pivot it's like being asked to kind of look at our our very essence of self and understand what we do need to change um i don't know i know that's super vague but no, it's, it's Maybe good. You can elaborate on that. Yeah, I, I think, first of all, I think just from a practical standpoint, I would expect to be shaken up a little bit potentially around this time to, to get your, your routine disrupted. And that may, like you were saying, cause you cause you to question, you know, your sense of self, your sense of animating principle. I think that one of the words I like with the sun is clarity. The sun is the principle of shining a spotlight on something. Mm -hmm. And I think that whatever disruption we might be experiencing around this period of time may really shine a lot of clarity onto what is what is really motivating us? Who do we really want to be? Okay, I think that's really one of the main questions of Leo is who are you really? And can you commit to that authentic self? and make the expression of the inner spirit match up with the external actions that you are taking in the world. Right. That to me is the definition of integrity, is yeah. unification between those two concepts. And I think that that's really gonna be playing out at this period of time, but maybe in a way that is like 
a lightning bolt of awareness, right? Of saying, you thought you were this, but here's, here's some reality. Here's a reality check. Here's a material reality check too. A lot of times we, we get uh, shaken out of our awareness of who we are and what we think we're doing when something physical happens and, and Uranus is shaking up physically, like shaking up the earth. It's mm -hmm. trying to like get us to wake up with climate change and things like that. And like saying, what, what are you really doing humanity? Like, are you, you know, like, what are you going to do to sustain your species moving forward? Because mm -hmm. um, you're in trouble. Uh, and of course, squaring Aquarius with all of that. So right, you know, yeah. right, at least by sign. So that's, that's right in. Very with, snugly. Yeah, with the, the being able to think about the 30,000 foot view mm -hmm. and, you know, what we're going to be, how everything fits together, how your personal actions fit with the collective and, and the contribution that is needed to the, to the whole. I, re, I really do see Aquarius as that theme as well. And, and tell me if this is an impulse that you feel just personally with your ascendant there is just having to think about how you fit into that bigger, grander scheme. How do you experience that on a personal level? Um, I mean, one thing that comes to mind that's just kind of a personal anecdote is like, uh, just my work in the public sphere. Like I can't have this in the public sphere. Uh, so I purposely hide it. You know, it's like, I should, I could have done it a lot sooner because you can act like it's gone. <laughs> but I don't do that because I'm insecure. And I don't do that because I, I really want to hide myself necessarily. I do it because the bigger system and structure and everything is that if my hair is like this, my patients are distracted and they're not listening to my messages. Yeah. So it's more important to me to fit within that, that kind of overarching plan and I guess system of, I need to be an educator and that's first and foremost versus right. any kind of self-expression that I might have. That is also important to me, which yeah, it kind of grinded my gears a little bit that I couldn't be like, yeah, it's me. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that's, that's, I think how I most experience it. Um, I don't know. There's a lot of conflation with 12th house stuff. So. Oh, yeah, totally. We're, we're both uh, 12th house sons, right? So we're in 12th yeah. house land here. Um, uh, but definitely, like, I want to kind of ping pong off yeah. of a point that you Go made ahead. with uh, the, the sun Uranus square, too, with just, like, the masks that we wear. And, like, what in our physical world, what in our daily routines or just any regular thing that we're doing, like, if that's all serving a purpose of just holding up this mask identity of ourselves, like maybe that's what we will see with clarity on yeah. this day is like this big toppling wobbling structure of mask or self that we all have. We all have one of those, right. Mm -hmm. um, to varying degrees. But when you see it, sometimes you're like, Oh my God, I'm doing all of this just to keep this going of my yeah. sin. It's all about my identity. And like, <laughs> you know, it doesn't feel good, but it's so good to see. And then it's like, okay, well, do I really want to keep devoting all of these resources? Uh, you know, when I think of Taurus, I think it's like what we value. Um, and in the physical earth and plane, it's like, okay, well, it's probably there's some resources involved here um, and your foundations of living. And it's like, am I going to revolve my whole foundation of living around this self that I want to keep up um, or, or this, what I expect my role to be like in the world, you know, yeah. um, I think I should be this. Um, I don't know. I feel like those are all possible realizations. Well, and, and to think about too, when, when that aspect perfects, 
we're going to be going through a balsamic moon phase too, which is, you know, leaving, leaving something behind, right? Letting go during that, that uh, disseminating type of, you know, where the moon is losing light. I don't want to mix my terms because disseminating is another phase, but the balsamic moon is saying, hey, what are you going to consolidate from the last lunar cycle and bring with you to plant in the new seed? And what are you going to re return to the earth, right? What is, what is no longer serving you? And that this shakeup, I think, is going to be important with that. And we have a question with this, to, uh, Maxi. Hello, Maxi. Maxi says, what's the difference between a configuration like the sun squared Uranus in your natal chart and living it as a transit also? What do you think, Claire? Mm. Maybe uh, in, in, in the shape of the life, there is a, a consistent theme of, of these realizations, perhaps. Mm. And the challenge, the pivot that that person has to continually make is that of leaning into a more authentic self-expression um yeah. that could be something yeah totally and, and i think it's really going to depend maxi on where that's happening in your chart and oh, absolutely. What, what those planets specifically the sun are going to represent because the sun could be your sense of self but it could also be represent another figure in your life like if you had the sun ruling the fourth house for example that could represent your father if, if it represented um you know, the third house, that could be a sibling. So there might be some shakeups that come through those different channels. And you have to kind of see where that's placed in your chart and where some of the topics of disruption may come through or realization or the kind of the Promethean gift of liberation that, that Uranus could be thought of as well, the gift of fire that you may suffer for. Um, I know that that's a tough one because th that's a constant shakeup of who, how you see yourself as well, right? Especially if it was a Leo thing. I mean, it's, uh, you know, coming to terms with the fact that, that you know, you're going to have to be making adjustments in life, right? And, mm -hmm. and letting go of some old thought patterns. Okay. Um, EK says, did you do the, I'm assuming this means your hair style. Uh, Claire, did you do it when Uranus squared your ascendant? Uranus squared my ascendant. Um, oh, no, this is like five years old. Um, and it took me like five years before that to decide to do it. <laughs> took me a long time. Yeah. So there, there may be something to that as far as if you do have your honest squared, your ascendant, you may be making personal changes that may shake up how people see you. So that's not that's not a bad rationale, EK, as far as like thinking about how that could work. I actually have Uranus squared my ascendant right now. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I, I um, shaved all my long hair off and, you know, I actually allowed my daughter to, or I asked her to allow her. I didn't, don't let anybody, just anybody cut my hair. That's why I say I allowed her to do it. Like as a Leo ascendant, you're like, oh God, <laughs> like, please. But during the pandemic, I was kind of freaked out about going to get a haircut. And I was like, all right, and she had just trimmed her own hair and was and feeling pretty good about her skills and maybe oversold her skills a little bit and was trimming and did not really, uh, yeah, she, she chopped my mop a little bit to the point where I got really frustrated and like just shaved the whole thing. But it was good. I needed it. My, my hair was like all the way to my shoulders and I was starting to get into man bun territory that wasn't good. And um, 
yeah, it was leaving some of that pandemic energy behind, you know. Uh, so, yeah, I think that, that Uranus square your ascendant could be some changes to your appearance that, that aren't expected as well. Okay, so that gets us through the that lunar cycle. And as we move forward to the 8th, we've got a, a new moon that we're seeing on the 8th at 16 degrees of Leo in that second decan of Leo, that parade, that triumphant type of experience. Um, are you seeing anything in particular with this new moon that, that sticks out to you? Um, I mean, I guess kind of the first thing that I'm kind of asking myself with it is just like, how do I want to identify and express that in this area of my life? So like, for instance, if Leo is in your second house, um, how do I identify with money? How is my self-esteem doing? How is my se sense of self-worth doing? And how is that expressed? And if it's this way, what do I, what do I want to do with that um, for the next lunar cycle? That's kind of how I'm looking at it. Yeah, and for sure. And we, we've got two aspects that I think are really important that are baked into this one, right? Like the last lunation we had, we had both malefics that were super present with it, which is a little bit of a bummer. Mm -hmm. Here we have a square with this lunation. The new moon is really in a pretty tight square to Uranus. So a continuation of those energies, even though it is separating. But we also have a, a Venus-Neptune opposition that's sort of baked into this new moon. Um, and some things I was kind of thinking about with that was, you know, Venus in, in Virgo 3 has to do with legacy. It's the 10 of Pentacles card. And what are we willing to preserve against the ravages of time? And what are we going to give back to the earth? And Neptune in the third decan of Pisces talks about what are you willing to sacrifice for your dream? Okay, that's the Mars ruled decan that Austin Coppett calls a cup of blood. So mm -hmm. this is a difficult place for Venus because we're getting really close to the maximum like fall point because it's opposite the maximum point of exaltation at 28 degrees of Pisces. Mm -hmm. One of the things I was reading about this was Venus in this decan is like, like the aging star that tries to get a lot of plastic surgery to preserve the ideal of the past. Does that, mm. does that make sense? Mm -hmm. um, and I, I'm curious as to when we're moving forward with this, this lunation, if we have to really get clear about what is really possible as far as form versus essence. This is something I've been harping on a lot on my channel is trying not to get too attached to form and getting in touch with essence and knowing that form changes and form is impermanent, whereas the essence part is where we can tap into that etern eternal nature, right? Mm -hmm. All right, so if we're moving forward off of this new moon, we are gonna see the Venus-Neptune opposition perfect on the 9th of August, which is Monday, bringing in some of those themes. Um, yeah, and again, I, I think this is maybe a willingness to sacrifice really for a form, and that, that may actually get us into some, some trouble uh, if we're go, willing to go too far to sacrifice for form. Um, any other thoughts on the Venus-Neptune opposition that, that, that pop into your head? Well, the, um, the myth of Typhon, is that how you say it? Yeah, Typhon. Typhon where it's just like this big beast that's just going to like destroy the whole, like just a... Uh, clean slate just totally destroys everything um i see a potential here for like 
you know, obviously anytime there's an opposition, it's trying to find that balance point. Um, but a lot of times with an opposition, we go to extremes and that's mm. what we always want to try to avoid. Although it's difficult, easier said than done. But uh, I, I just like in my mind, I just feel like Venus just kind of fretting away over um, perfection and having mm. it look exactly how she imagined it in her big wide vision and, um, and, and just blowing it up accidentally in the end or just kind of making it worse off than it was to start totally and expectations with neptune you know anytime i see neptune i'm just like you know there's so many good things about neptune about surrender about forgiveness and and unconditional love but there's also like just incorrect expectations and boyd is uh you know virgo has a lot of expectations so it's kind of balancing that as well i think yeah i I, this makes me think of uh an artist that works their craft to the point of destroying it mm-hmm. right like i remember as a kid i have mars saturn and jupiter and virgo and <laughs> okay, so you I, know you speak i know virgo that, fluently. Oh God, for sure <laughs> and, and i when I, I used to draw a lot when i was a kid and i um i was really obsessed with making things hyper realistic like the the like little details of things and i would get so frustrated if it didn't look just like the picture um, that I would erase a hole in a page. Do you see what I'm saying? And I think that this is like the perfect kind of metaphor for this aspect is be really careful not to, to erase the hole in the page and realize that part of the autistic, artistic expression is there's beauty in the flaws. Try to see the beauty in like the, like that's, look at Picasso. Like it wasn't, you know, one-to-one photorealism, mm-hmm. but that was the whole point. You know, the unplugged. Yeah, yeah, like that's why we had that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. Thinking of the, the, the icon of that little M, right? Yeah, totally. And uh, yeah, it, it, I'm thinking of the concept of that Japanese concept of Wu Wei, right? I think I'm saying that correctly. That where you're leaving a little bit of of imperfection to nature to complete the artistic project right mm-hmm. and seeing that beauty and the flow of it rather than having to make it just exactly a certain way i really think that's going to be important for this new moon and and moving forward is we're going to really want to work something to 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 death because venus is not not super happy in this place and we could get really just fixated on things that don't really add to it they may take away eventually and and it can get blown out of proportion with the opposition to Neptune. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, let me check in on the chat here. These are some really good insights, Claire. I'm, we're doing okay? Doing good? Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm just looking at that moon on Mars, and I'm like, oh, yeah, someone's <laughs> going to be erasing a hole in their drawing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And that's the first aspect after the moon uh, comes out of the bond, right? That, that's a, a, a Hellenistic technique where when the moon escapes from 15 degrees of conjunction with the sun, it gives us the flavor of what, what this lunation is going to be like. And the first aspect is, is going to be that conjunction with Mars. So yes, we, we could get really upset about the details and, and we have to really reel ourselves in and try to tap into that like Saturnian big picture energy here a little mm. bit. Um, EK says, Uranus conjunct my ascendant now. I have green and blue hair. <laughs> okay, good. So you were you were playing with appearance and shocking the world. And is I mean, 
have we gotten to the point where blue and green hair is still like a thing that that shocks people uh maybe it is i see commercials where there's like there's that have you seen those commercials where they have the person who's trying to help people not be their parents and it takes a group of them on a tour and they they see people with blue hair they're like blue hair and they're like nope nope you you don't need to say that out loud (laughs) (laughs) right i've lived through this my my stepdad's in his like late 70s and he he cannot it blows his mind that someone's walking around with a different you know non-natural color of hair but he's he's a virgo so um but i don't know uh so let's see Uranus hard aspects have that rebel vibe, like a teenage angst and midlife crisis, said Tanya. Yes, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, Tanya also is adding that uh, that's a long, spicy transit. Green and blue hair sounds like a good response. Yes, that sometimes we have to give something an outlet, right? The symp- sympathetic magic is something I've learned from T. Susan Chang, where when she pulls a particular card that may be kind of negative, like the like the 10 of swords is when she gives an example for that she gets this little she gets 10 like needles and puts it into a piece of fruit you know to be like offering it up to the spirits to say okay i'm gonna give that an outlet and i really like that for different planetary energies that may be difficult Mm -hmm. you know giving it some somewhere to go if you got a difficult mars transit you know use some swords or something somewhere some cooking Mm -hmm. utensils or something like that i think that's a really great way to deal with those things i actually have a question for you then about that because i'm so interested in that and i always have thoughts about that when i'm just doing things and i'm watching like the the planetary hour for instance or you know just those types of uh, daily planetary ritual magic things and like so if i'm it's tuesday and i'm cutting a red pepper with a very sharp knife in my Mm -hmm. mind i'm like is this a good thing for me to do because it's this time and this just feels right? And of course, it just this stuff just happens. Like I don't have any yeah. control over it. Uh, but at the same time, like, or is this an extra bad idea? And is this extra <laughs> dangerous? So for this Virgo thing, I'm thinking, yeah. are tabletop board games a good idea <laughs> or a horrible idea? <laughs> for sympathetic, so like, <laughs> just like flipping like tables, flipping the whole board. <laughs> or is it a good outlet? You know, is it an outlet or is it a catalyst? I guess that's the question that's a good question and, and i i think that for board games specifically for this virgo transit is my question are, are, do you have <laughs> do you have like a board game date coming up that you're no but about? i mean i have a lot of friends who play them <laughs> okay. and like i do i do magic the get togethering you know yeah, so. yeah, yeah i think yes it's i think that would be a positive outlet for something like this okay i, I think that in even using cutting up your red peppers on mars day i think is a good outlet too um i i think that you know, one of the prayers that I do to Mars on Tuesdays is help turn the, the, the implements of war into plowshares. That's part of the Orphic hymn to, to Mars. So give it something to do, something productive to do. And that, that is a really great way of dealing with Mars is saying, okay, you've got this energy that has to get expressed. And if maybe you do need to put it into some kind of very detailed board game like experience, I think that actually could be really healthy rather than say like, you know, I love your, your example of don't pick your zits on this day. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Don't do it. <laughs> right. So, so, so that's one thing where something really detrimental is where if you're, you're getting so fixated on some tiny detail that you create damage to your body could be an unhealthy expression of that. 
but but it, but putting it into something less harmful like like a board game or like magic or something magic the gathering that could be a really healthy outlet for that energy i, I love that game i i wish i had more opportunities to play because i still have mm-hmm. some decks somewhere I, but in my youth you know I, at the end of college i had some friends that were into it and they were like We'll give you a lot of money for those like first edition Sarah Sarah Angels. That's or the whatever. first thing I thought of. I was like, you better never sell those decks. <laughs> yeah, right. Because <laughs> they they I did sell a few cards that I look back on it now, and I'm like, at the time I was like, that's crazy. Like I don't these are just cards, and I need the money. But now mm-hmm. I'm like, mm, yeah, I sold some really expensive stuff. I think that means that you have a Magic the Gathering uh, street credit card. Like okay. that's like okay. if you have lived that experience of selling a card that you know in the future you shouldn't have sold, like then you're definitely a Magic player for sure. <laughs> have you? So this is totally off topic, but have you found a way to do this online yet? Can you do play, online? Can you play Magic the Gathering oh, through Zoom? Yeah, I don't do that, but that's been around yeah. forever. Oh yeah, that's All a whole rabbit hole. Don't All do right, it. Claire. In fact, I just wouldn't oh. do it. <laughs> I was going to say, like, I was going to suggest a Magic the Gathering Zoom, like, experience. Oh, yeah, sure. You can do that. (laughs) (laughs) That's better. That's better. Do it with real people in real life. Yeah. Uh, Considering some of maybe the the limitation challenges that we have coming up, maybe potentially. Over Zoom, I mean, not with robots online. (laughs) (laughs) Right. With real people. Yeah. Okay. Um, Checking in a chat here. Um, Mariana, who is a new voice in the chat, welcome Mariana, says, I'm having my solar return on the 7th. Would you consider the new moon or not yet? Uh, well, the new moon is not going to perfect until the 8th. So so I would say that you're probably going to be having a, a, a balsamic moon phase baked into your solar return. So this year for you, Mariana, is probably going to be about letting go of some things and consolidating, excuse me, the seed down into... Um, something to leave behind as a legacy. Uh, Tanya says, Venus and Virgo hates the wabi-sabi. That's the word I was like, it's not woo wades Wabi-sabi. Wabi-sabi is the, Venus and Virgo hates the wabi-sabi vibe. Beautiful imperfection, how dare, <laughs> I guess. Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah, wu-wei is like a, I'm thinking now is like- I thought they the, were an artist. I thought that's an artist. <sighs> Yeah, I think I think Wu Wei is like the the wind and the water type of experience with getting alignment with the Tao. I, I I have a feeling that those concepts are related. I'm just kind of mashing them up in my brain. But wabi sabi is is definitely the correct phrase for what I was looking for. for and you said wabi sabi was like leaving that little imperfection in the yes. piece of art to complete it. That's what you said. That was totally. totally. That's cool. That's super cool. Um, we have Sherilyn says. Hold on. I'm going back here. Beauty Nadini says beauty doesn't want to be criticized. <laughs> like, okay, no, probably not. Uh, and Tanya says that's the re- that's real. Venus wants appreciation. Okay, yes, that is true. Uh, the story I tell with Venus and Virgo is someone coming into someone who's getting into the flow state with their like cooking a meal, and Venus and Virgo comes in and says, "Are you following the recipe? Did you add enough of this and that?" And completely like getting them out of that flow state. And, you know, making it so that they, you know, I don't know, there is this little magic that happens when you're kind of just in that flow that where the results could be better than the plan that you actually had in the beginning. Mm -hmm. Uh, Sherilyn says, love the slow motion views of the swimmers diving and swimming. Yeah, there's so much beauty involved in in sport to me. I find transcendence through sports. I I have Neptune in the fifth house, so I'm right there with you, Sherilyn. I, I love seeing 
you know, the body is moving. And w- when you see things in slow motion, it really is a reminder that, holy shit, how do they do this? Like, how, mm-hmm. how do we, like for basketball, for example, when I see someone throwing a basketball from like 30 feet away into a hoop that's like two feet wide and all of the calculations that our brains have to go through to make that happen is incredible you know and same with swimming and all of these other sports the little tiny things that go into it Mm -hmm. tanya says making a microcosm of the planetary energies can be a fun way to make a little container for the energy to go into very good casey is saying i read a meme that said mars and virgo is the red pen editors (laughs) is the red pen editors use yes yes as a mars and virgo native that really resonated with me yes i'm I'm a mars and virgo uh native myself so i'm definitely all about that red pen (laughs) like so just another just a quick story for that when i was making my album i made an album a few years ago an ep and uh, when i was in the studio uh I was eventually kicked out by the engineer because I wanted to sit in and and I got like I wanted to edit with him every tiny little detail of my voice to the point where he's like, you cannot be in here anymore because this is not how I work. You are banned from the studio until this is finished. And I, I was really angry about that. But at the end of the day, I understood like and I could see myself going into that uh what is it monomania if you're looking at the tiny tiny little things right Mm -hmm. uh so sometimes you can be your own worst enemy when that comes up absolutely uh jody says i love the idea of mars but i don't think mars would have the patience for a board game well depends on the game maybe jody right uh uh ek says i love that idea tanya tanya says whenever it's a mars time though always be extra careful in the kitchen aries is Ares is always oops here we um, just got updates coming coming fast and furious sorry um hold on a second I lost my place uh well anyway I lost my place here we might have to I'm gonna have to come back to that it's a good problem to have abundant discussion well yeah um, Freeman is saying Wu Wei is the way of doing by not doing in Taoism and Zen. Yes. Okay. Thank you. Freeman. That's why. Yes. Because I just read that book, uh, that yeah. little one by um, Lao Tzu. Yeah. The love of the poems. But that's, that's similar, though, isn't it? Like, like leaving it, not working it anymore, leaving it to nature. Um, it's the empty space in the bowl. It serves a purpose. Yes, perfect. Negative yes. space. Exactly. Uh, so Tanya says, whenever Mars time. Uh, be extra careful in the kitchen. Ares is always ready to snag a little blood sacrifice and give your flesh a little sear. Yes, for sure. <laughs> be careful. That's with what those I'm gonna knives. think of every time I burn yeah. myself. Now I'm like blood sacrifice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Again, finding a healthy way to give Mars what it desires, which is cutting, severing blood, whatever it is, you know. Um, Dao De Ching Freeman says. Okay, so let's keep let's keep rolling. We're 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 doing good here. I'm I'm we're loving dawdling. the conversation. We are dawdling a little bit. We got to stay focused. Um, so if we move forward to the tenth and the eleventh, uh, at on the tenth we've got Mercury making an opposition with Jupiter. So the notes I had for this were staying or and fighting, which is that that seven of wands card that we were talking about, the Mars rule decan, that 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 is my ascendant that we were talking about standing your ground and, and having the un, Austin Cobb calls it this, the, the, 
the unconquerable heart where you're saying, I had the courage to stand my ground and to see it through the willpower versus you know, Jupiter in that third decade where it says, you know, maybe it's actually, you know, most beneficial to leave something behind and to, to really, you know, I don't know, move forward with your life. Um, so stay and fight or leave questioning our courage. We may question our courage. Is it really worth it? Any other things with, with Mercury, Jupiter contacts like that, Claire? Yeah, I was just looking at my little notes. Got yeah. my little iPad. I feel like I'm on Star nice. Trek. Like, look at you. <laughs> look at you. <laughs> um, well, I was thinking more like larger <laughs> ideas versus smaller details, you know, and balancing between the two. If you're if you're yeah. making plans about, you know, plans of becoming, you yeah. know, in, in Leo, we want to engage with the world and become something and create something and exist, uh, and all those little detailed machinations. Uh, what is the bigger picture, and what is the cost? benefit analysis of, of whatever you are doing and having a good balance in between that. Yeah. I'd also add in a little fixed star stuff here. 27 degrees yeah. is, is the fixed star Alfard, which is the heart of the, of the constellation Hydra. So be really careful with your words on this day too. You may have a, a differing of opinion with someone as far as your own personal view and their big picture thinking. And be really careful not to express yourself in a way that could be really damaging or detrimental with this too. And and before we move completely forward, Claire, I want to ask you, are, are you a Trekkie? Is, is this something that you... Yes. Okay. So yes. I want to ask you, what is, if you were a Star Trek character, who would you be? Um, I mean, I've always really enjoyed Data, of yeah. course. Like, <laughs> I'd probably just be Data. Uh, maybe I just really want a cat named Spot. I'm not sure, but I just like that whole life. I'm like, yeah, this just seems perfect. <laughs> and, and and correct me if I'm wrong, but did Seven of Nine have the same hairstyle that you did? Did, did they? I don't have remember this? Seven of Nine. I don't know. I'm so I know some like eight people probably have had this hairstyle right. in Star Trek. I'm sure there's, there's <laughs> very plenty. cool. Yeah, Data, the ultimate rational, uh, you know, kind of like uh, yeah, kind of an Aquarian vibe, right? My Aquarian dreams. Yeah, yeah. I'm a Venus and Aquarius, so. I was definitely forced to watch The Next Generation by my dad when, when I was young. Hey, if you didn't have like life lessons come in, like just watch The Next Generation, you'll get all of them. Like it's so good. Yes, yes. It, it's a great show. And, and, and God bless uh, Jean-Luc Picard and, and uh, Patrick Stewart. He's uh, one of my <laughs> one of my heroes there for sure. Okay. So if we move forward to the 11th, we have a planetary ingress. Okay, so on the 11th, we're going to see Mercury moving in to Virgo. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's a good thing. Um, so Mercury gains a whole mess of dignity by being in Virgo, right? Mm -hmm. so what do we got going on with Mercury and Virgo here, Claire? Well, what I do like about this is now Venus and Mars are going to be received by the ruler of the sign. So I feel like before Mercury got in there, uh, Venus and Mars are kind of like tinkering away in the workshop, doing what they want to do, uh, picking away at things they shouldn't maybe. And then <laughs> Mercury comes in and is like, okay, it's project management time. Um, yeah. Here are the spreadsheets. This is what we decided in the boardroom with the sun and Leo. And now we are going to actually get some organization into whatever is happening in here. Um, I like what you guys are doing, but we're going <laughs> to, we're going to reel it in. Like, that's how I feel like it is. Yeah. Yeah. And, and Mercury in this decan, um, we've got the eight of eight of pentacles with this decan, the first decan of Virgo. So I think that to, to add what you were saying, like the the skills 
necessary to to carry out the impulses of Venus and Mars are going to become clearer, right? And and you may have to go back and and relearn something. But when Mercury, because this is like the apprentice of an advanced age here in the Eight of Pentacles, so don't be afraid to 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 reskill around this period of time because your mind is going to be really receptive to learning these new things with Mercury being in that mutable sign, being able to separate out what is truth and what is fiction and what is useful and what isn't. I always like to think of Virgo as that place for Mercury where Mercury is Mercury likes to examine things. Mm-hmm. Mercury likes to test things, but in Gemini it's it's the examining to proliferate options. And in Virgo, it is to narrow them down to Mm -hmm. see what is actually going to be useful because we've got that, at least in the Northern Hemisphere, that's the time period where we're trying to go through the harvest and say, hey, this is going to sustain us through the winter and this is needs to be returned back to the earth because it's it's flawed as far as, you know, it has a disease or it has a bug or something and we don't want to store that in our cellar, Mm -hmm. you know, or because we're when we need it the most, it's not going to, you know, nourish us. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I see that that sense of um, the word I like to use is disgust, but in, mm-hmm. a, in a health, a healthy disgust. Mm-hmm. And maybe the discrimination is more maybe a better, gentler term, although even that feels a little harsh. Well, if you think about like the, the reason we have disgust, it's to protect mm-hmm. us from poisonous plants. Right. There, so yes, exactly. that's a Virgo thing for sure. And yeah. And, and that's so hard for our Virgo friends to to because a lot of people really misinterpret them and that because it's not it's not fun when we apply that to like situations that require uh acceptance and require universal love and mm-hmm. things like that when we when we apply it to like people and relationships that's why venus is in the fall because we you know we're, we're saying oh well this part of you disgusts me <laughs> like that's not, that's not how you're gonna facilitate you know some some sexy times in the future right. there but 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 when we're applying it to you know skills when we're applying it to like you know harvest it's definitely appropriate and we need people like that that are saying, okay, uh, this is keeping us safe. Um, mm-hmm. And so so have a little patience with your Virgo people out there because at the end of the day, they're concerned about keeping people fed, nourished, right. sustained, healthy. Like that's the thing. They're really, your Virgo person is going to nitpick your diet to death and your exercise habits because they want you to live a long time. Not because they think you're a terrible person, it's because they want to spend time with you when you're 60, 70, 80 years old. I and mean, that's my motivation. I'm relentless with my family about health and preservation. Some, preservation, exactly. And in the back of my mind, I'm like, look, if you don't take care of yourself, I'm going to be a lonely 80 or 90 year old dude that, it, you know, <laughs> hopefully, fingers crossed, knock on wood. And I would rather go through life with the people I love and care about. And I'm, you know, I'll, I'll get in, up in their business a little bit. I, this is the hardest thing with, with my parents, you know, mm, in particular. And I say I know no more. <laughs> you and I have talked about this, I think, in the past too, right? With trying to get our parents to get on board with some of this stuff. Right. But sometimes you have to know when to to back off and when to 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 really get involved. That's another thing that is going to be challenging as we move with Virgo stuff too. Right. The 
the grip of Virgo versus the release of Pisces. And um, I feel like with Virgo, part of the discernment isn't just like people think about discernment as picking the right thing or being critical in your eye of, of what to look at, but it's also what to ignore. Um, so knowing when and what to ignore is an, yes. its own type of wisdom yes. and uh, is a challenge. Um, I have oh, myself yes. known Virgo, so it's something that I have to kind of like, okay, we can do less of that. Um, yeah. But because I got plenty, I got plenty of Virgo you, with you that Virgo south placement? node there somehow. Oh, you have the south node there in Virgo. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, but also like the last thing I'll say about it is just yeah. margin of error, right? This is why we have margins of error in measurement um right. if you've got virgo measurement and virgo wants it to be like right on to the nanometer um that's simply not possible for some tools right and yeah. so you have a margin of error or if you're mass producing something um there's no way that every single batch of something is going to be exactly the same so someone decides what a safe or effective margin of error is if we go too far into pisces there's the margin evaporates and then we're just like oh i don't care whatever just eyeball it it's fine um so if we can just get somewhere in between you know virgo perfection and not you know having any kind of measurement and just have a margin of error of like what is the allowable like <laughs> flex that i can have during this season and it's so interesting to see you've been able to play that out in your your other career pharmacy right because if you you have to be measuring that out specifically or somebody could overdose or or not have the right amount of something right that's essential to your job mm -hmm. right that's yeah. correct really really fascinating way to to approach yeah. that virgo pisces axis um on the 11th also we're gonna have a venus uh pluto trine um so what you got for us there yeah i had notes on this yeah, yeah. <laughs> it feels like people pleasing to me yeah, it feels because that's I, I know I've mentioned it before how like it's kind of this like non uh, maleficent way of manipulation <laughs> that we all kind of do sometimes is people pleasing. And uh, with Pluto, I think of like, especially in Capricorn, trying to control situations and how things like outcomes trying to control outcomes um and so when we're trining that energy you know it, it just looks like a nice flow of interpersonal uh connection and, and those kinds of things flowing into a place where we want to control stuff um yeah. what are your thoughts on that yeah i i think a couple things definitely pluto brings up issues of control right mm -hmm. and wanting to manipulate a situation and I, I always uh, i know i'm a broken record when i say this but pluto to me is that clogged toilet of our life you know <laughs> where we've repressed something to the point where pluto is going to go and and dig it up and say you got to deal with this okay um so i think that there's definitely some emotional intensity that could come with this placement um but but again I, the, venus and virgo's real gift if you're using it in the most appropriate way Mm -hmm. is appreciating decay, is appreciating the beauty in returning something to the earth. And what better aspect than Venus trying Pluto to return something to the earth and say, you know, this is what I love about Marie Kondo. You're familiar with like the Marie Kondo stuff mm -hmm. where they were like, bless you little thing that I had for this period of time go off into the world and don't take up any more space in my life. You know, it's, yeah. it's, it's saying thank you to the, to the, the material form and returning it so that that essence can be infused into some other form. 
because mm-hmm. we, as human beings, we really make this mistake of trying to hold on to form indefinitely. We do it with our bodies. We do it with our possessions. We do it with our relationships. And we can go beyond the point of trying to preserve something to the point where it becomes corrupted, where we're just trying to be like necromancers, keeping this like this rotted corpse animated or something. Mm-hmm. That's, that's where we make a lot of our, our mistakes, I think, and, and get into these power struggles. And um, it's all about, again, it comes back to being present, doesn't it? Yeah, it, uh, that reminds me of something I read in uh, Joseph Goldstein's book, Mindfulness, and he was quoting someone else who I can't remember now, some Buddhist teacher uh, that said something about releasing the corpse of past experiences. Uh, yeah, letting go of those those perfect moments in our life. Maybe they're, it's Venus, so maybe it's interpersonal moments or artistic moments or creative moments or romantic moments in our, our life and and. Yeah, doing the Marie Kondo thing. Wow, that was very nice. Goodbye. Uh, yes, <laughs> exactly. Because yeah, that's the thing. You can acknowledge that something gave you joy in right. your life, right? And it's like conscious uncoupling with, but with your oh, stuff, yeah. you know. <laughs> like, oh, <laughs> sorry, this is singing a Gwyneth Paltrow. <laughs> oh God, I hate it. I hate Gwyneth Paltrow. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Hold on. Oh, you know what else I thought about this? So yep. I have a friend, her name is Lux ATL. Look her up yeah. online, Lux ATL, okay. like Atlanta. And she's the one who turned me on to this idea of the fact that when you do self-development for yourself, yeah. when you make yourself better, or when you try to make yourself better for your relationships, yeah. um, sometimes we then kind of even subconsciously just expect other people to put in that same effort Mm -hmm. and they don't really actually owe us that like our self-development is for us and as soon as you start expecting other people to do that just because you are or doing something in this perfect way like if I'm doing it this way you know everyone else should be doing it this way um just knowing that like no one owes you that like Yeah, totally, totally. And, and that's something that's something I've really had to come to terms with. Oh, boy, me too. Boy, yeah. did I not realize uh, just yeah. expectations in general, because I think a lot of times we're generous too. like I think yeah. Virgo can be so generous with helping. Um, and we help in places where it's not even really like asked. Yeah. And we just get this impulse to be generous, <laughs> not realizing that over time that builds resentment, you oh, know, yeah. Tanya's probably so, gonna, the, the last hard in the comment section here about that. <laughs> But totally, you're totally right on. And, and I, I think that, you know, as Virgo type people, we do have to, you know, really start to cultivate the skill of recognizing where that energy is appropriate mm-hmm. and where it could be really detrimental to the, the you know, whatever we're expressing. Um, mm-hmm. ch- checking in here in the comment box here, uh, Casey Jones says, I have Venus and Virgo and you should see how my puppy eats. It's ridiculous. I'm all about clean diet and herbal medicine, but also North Node is in Gemini in the sixth. Yes, we love our fur babies. Um, <laughs> like, Tanya says, I'm geeked about Mercury coming home to double dignity, but so cross that Mars is right there gunking it up right off the bat. Yeah, there's mm-hmm. no perfect elections, mm-hmm. is there, Tanya? Um, Nadini says we have to ask Mars to motivate and do blast through the efforts of Mer- and do blast through the efforts of Mercury. Okay. Um, Lisa, Lisa Newcomb is here. Hello, Lisa. Nice to see you. I, a Saturn of, on, in, on Virgo ascendant, tend to allow for the, a margin of error by making my standard pretty high in life across the board. Yes, we have talked about that. Lisa, you do have pretty high standards, but um, I think that you're doing a good job with that. 
Um, what else we have here? <clears throat> Sorry, I'm just kind of going through here. Oh, that's okay. Lisa says, letting go of the physical need for beauty to allow inner beauty and wisdom to blossom. Yes. Perfect. That sounds nice. Yeah. 100%. Tanya says, Marie Kondo is a legit energy wizard and I love her. LOL. Consciously, unconscious uncoupling. Yes. Okay. Lisa's hero is Marie Kondo. Yeah, everybody loves Marie Kondo. Marie Kondo has this beautiful like Saturn-Venus conjunction in Libra. So mm. exalted Saturn, Venus in, in uh, domicile. Uh, perfect okay. expression of that energy, right? Wow. Like, consolidating, but, the be but doing it in this joyful, beautiful way. <laughs> okay, let's keep going. Let's keep going. We can do this. So on August the 12th, the sun is moving into the third decade of Leo. So we're going to have a big shift in kind of the awareness, the, con the, the collective awareness that we have. We're moving from that victory parade uh, to what Austin Coppa calls the banner. Um, the daimon here was Serapis, and he calls this card, Book T and Book of Toth call it Valor. So again, th this brings in that Seven of Wands experience where you may be asked to, to defend your territory, to stand your ground. You fought hard for your authenticity, and now you have to have the courage, tenacity, and willpower to fend off people who may be coming for you you know? And um, so this is, this is really bringing up a lot of questions, I think, of where do we need to, to stand firm? And where do we need to let go? And this is something that as an ascendant with, you know, in this decade, this question has come up in my life over and over and over again, is where, where do I have to defend my right to be? And where do I need to just like, say, you know what, I, I need to let this one go. This is not worth this isn't a battle worth fighting. Um, and again, my living this tendency, uh, my first reaction is, I'm going to fight for the, with every inch of my being, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, uh, and it's hard to get over that sometimes. And I, and I would say that with the opposition to Jupiter and Saturn, that's going to be really important that you, we, we temper that impulse around this period of time. So starting off on the 15th, Claire, we have a square between uh the sun and the moon so this is our last quarter moon here what do you got for us with this last quarter moon oh goodness or first first quarter last quarter Actually, first quarter much first quarter sorry i misspoke it's the first quarter yeah i mean moon and scorpio generally is dealing with a feeling of some kind, uh feeling things deeply um and those feelings might make your your presentation pivot a little bit. Uh, so if you're going to be wearing your heart on your sleeve, I mean, the energies are that here of pride and, and maybe strategy. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I guess, yeah, I don't know. I don't, I don't really have much for this, um, but it is opposite Uranus. So there's almost yeah. like a T-square thing happening there a little bit. Yeah. Uh, moon is going to be pinging, pinging Uranus into it, which not really sure what I think about that. What do you think about that? Well, if we get the moon all the way into this third decan here. Um, one of the things that comes up with that decan is the seven of cups where all these temptations are being presented to us. And we're, we're really, I think this, that decan is really about uh, resisting the, uh, I don't know, the bad habits that we may fall into. Mm -hmm. So I guess one of the notes I had with this is maybe having the courage 
to leave a, a bad habit behind around this period of time, right? Really fighting for returning something to the earth and saying, okay, this is a, this is a fermentation composting time. I need to eliminate this. And quarter moons are always some kind of crisis. The first quarter usually is a physical crisis and, and the last quarter is some kind of inner existential mm. crisis. So I, I just think that there may be some theme about leaving something behind at this, this moon um, quarter. And that's going to, I bring up the, the moon quarter phases because that is really going to be the background and the canvas that these next aspects are going to be painted upon as we move through forward through August. Um, we also have, interestingly enough, on this point, this is something I'm, I'm still learning about. And I wonder if you have any um, additional insights on this. The Mercury is at the bends. Are you familiar with that? Yeah, I guess I've listened a lot to Sam Reynolds' work yeah. on the the nodal bendings, um, and it it does. I mean, when I look at it in natal charts, it's I haven't looked at it much with transits, but mm -hmm. with natal charts, I see things. Um, so it's kind of for me. I guess I interpret it as again. I always say change, pivot, having to engage with a problem with a square, and it's Mercury engaging in whatever question there is of the life path moving from the kind of if, if we're going to go that route of looking at the nodes as having a directionality to it where we're kind of going from the south node to the north node um, how is mercury involved in that process if we're trying to kind of move more of our focus to more gemini things or, or more of that house theme in our chart and less of the south node or in the south node kind of preserving the essential things that we want mm -hmm. um it's not that you can't have stuff in the south node it's not that the south node those characteristics should not be i just think that it's like keep it essential keep it to the essentials yeah. um and then mercury kind of inputting on yeah that, that's how i look at that but I, that's very it's still pretty nebulous for me yeah, it's like help. it's a crossroads, right? It's a I, yeah. I I tend to think of it as a choice. You know, it's like, are we going to lean into the 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 Gemini North Node or the the Sagittarian South Node? And in this case, Mercury is going to start moving towards that South Node. So mm -hmm. I think that this may be about moving. You know, really getting that Virgo energy of whittling down options because that north node in gemini is expanding our possibilities maybe even to the point of paralysis mm -hmm. and that first decan of sagittarius is all about speed action putting things into uh, motion so i think that this may be getting rid of some of the options to to, to take a movement forward and take a step forward and this is really going to match up well with the mercury Mars conjunction that's going to be happening a few days later. Um, before we get to that, though, there's some other cool things happening. Um, thanks for everyone for Virgoing out with us. Like we're really getting into the nitty gritties here. Yeah, it's definitely we're we're really embodying. <laughs> that. But we, you know, I wouldn't have it any other way. I would. <laughs> like, well, that would be good too if 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 we're trying to cut things away that that potentially are going to get in our way uh yeah get out the hedge trimmers over in virgo with mercury and mars that feels like hedge trimmer conjunction. for sure and, and you know it, we have a certain crowd in this that that comes to these live streams and and i've gotten some feedback that there are people that definitely appreciate the 
the detailed analysis nice. that we do here. So I, I wouldn't feel super bad about that. And I've probably alienated everyone else who isn't into it. So, so it's all good. We've, we've found our, our, our crew, our Virgo, Virgo-ish crew here. Lisa says they love it. <laughs> yes, with her Virgo Saturn ascendant there. Um, so on the 16th here, we've got Venus uh, gaining a whole uh, a whole bunch of dignity here with its movement into Libra. So what do you, what what is Venus going to bestow upon us with this movement out of Virgo and into Libra? Oh, diplomacy, diplomacy. Yeah. Now we have our, our PR person on the yeah, team. Right? So our, our manners return, our gracefulness, yeah. right? Our ability to. Manner. Yeah, I think that this is a great way of the difference, I think, between Venus in Libra and Venus in Taurus is I think Taurus is all about creating inner peace and inner harmony and within the body. And Venus in Libra and Libra in general is, is trying to bring that same peacefulness to external social conditions. So there's probably going to be a greater focus on how do we communicate with people and how do we bring consensus within our, our communities rather than just with like picking every detail to death and things like that. So I'm, I'm looking forward to this this uh transit here this is really an improvement in dignity we, we've got if you notice we've got sun in its own domicile in leo mercury in its own domicile and exaltation in virgo and then venus ex enters her domicile so pretty cool with saturn also in, in a domicile so mm -hmm. these planets are functioning as kind of pure essences right now so i think that Maybe you can confirm this or, or think about what you think about this. Do you think a planet, Claire, is kind of giving its just its own expression when it gets to that domicile? Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah, when a planet's in rulership, I think of it as just being very effective at doing what it it that planet does. Uh, yeah. So Venus is good at Venusing. Mars is good at Marsing when it's in its sign. Mercury is good at Mercurying. Yes. Yeah. Totally. Um, okay, on the 17th, an interesting thing happens. Uh, so I'm going to clear this is and, and I've been studying this a little bit more lately. Um, but Mercury is going to be emerging from under the beams and emerging as the evening star. This is called the evening rise of Mercury when it is direct here. Um, so Mercury has come back from Olympus and something is being coming visible again. I found in my studies and and wondering if you're seeing anything similar with this, that these are just really important moments um, for every planet that is making the, that emergence from the beams. Mm -hmm. I agree. Yeah. I mean, if Virgo wasn't such a quiet sign, normally I might even use the word megaphone, yeah. but that's, I don't know if it's a megaphone here, but they're using their outside voice now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'd, I'd say just really pay attention to messages that you receive um, you know, Mercury is going to be making a conjunction with Mars a day later. So I, I really think that this could be the time frame that you're seeing things begin to move forward and that you're energized towards really maybe cutting away the, the, the dross in your life and cutting away the fat and like kind of, you know, getting to that efficiency um, that you eventually, I think, will lead to a productive, I don't know, movement forward. So um, I really think some progress will be seen around this period of time with Mercury em emerging as that evening star. Mm -hmm. Okay. Any other things with the Mercury Mars? No, I, I agree uh, that definitely like 
mind faculties like doing well i like it i feel like it's it's a very productive uh, potential under it uh just be kind you know kind words make sure your words are soft not yes. sharp yes. if they feel sharp just like sleep on it <laughs> <laughs> yeah, criticism, right? That could be one of the dangers of this. And inner criticism, you know, yeah. like that can be a lot of times, a lot of us, even if we have sharp words, which most of us do, right? Yeah. We know that that's not appropriate to share and we internalize it and don't deal with it. And that's very harmful. So right. to ourselves. Lisa says constructive criticism, right? And with consent. <laughs> no, no, um, uh, what would they call that? Um, unsolicited opinions thank yeah, you, there you go. i like that yeah yeah ask if uh they want feedback because a lot of times people don't and that that can get you into a sticky situation 99.9 percent .9 of the time people don't <laughs> <laughs> they don't they don't i'm just i'm just like sad about it because i always have an opinion on something oh you have if you're like that i'm a billion bajillion times that oh jesus Okay, oh, well, that looks like a fun one. I'll just keep yes. my nose to the grindstone that go. day. How about Perfect. that? <laughs> Perfect. Um, on the 19th, we have a couple things happening. Our friend Uranus is going to be stationing retrograde, and we're going to be seeing the sun making an opposition to Jupiter. So any any thoughts on this, this uh, combination that we've got going on here? Yeah, I mean, anytime I see the sun and Jupiter, I think about like confidence and I think, you know, I know it's an opposition, but it's it's Jupiter. So that's that's happy. That's helpful. It's fortunate. Um, but, you know, too much of a good thing, potentially like, uh, you know, overextending yourself, feeling like you can take on the world, but uh, just making sure that you actually can. And not only just now, but like six months from now. Right. Yeah. Um, as far as Uranus coming in there, uh, going retrograde, T-squaring this by sign, like, um, if there are sudden, I don't know, sudden changes in that part of your life, wherever Taurus is, um, just be careful what you say yes to, because yeah. whatever you say yes to with Saturn there as well. So like, I feel like Saturn is no and Jupiter is yes, kind of very just vaguely generally. Yeah. Um, if you say yes to something, it may be a lot of work, right? Yeah. Um, totally. So, yeah. Yeah. And Corey's pointing out that Mercury became visible or is becoming visible near the uh, exalted degree of Mercury. So that, wow, that's neat. Yeah. Mercury is cool. exalted, I believe, at like 15 degrees of Virgo. So really strong Mercury vibes going on at that point. Um, Tanya says, asking, do you want to vent or do you want feedback, Spencer, in all caps? <laughs> I knew I was going to get roasted. In this yeah. Thing. Oh, man. I got one of those, too. I have one of those, too. He's, he's a scientist. He's a fixer. He fixes things. So and, and yes, and, and in my defense, I always want to be helpful. And, and yeah. I think that that's the that's what the the impulse behind it. But yes, it is important to to know the appropriate uh, timing of that and consent. Ex exactly like you said, is a really I think that's a really great way to frame it. Um, because that's something I really hadn't thought about. I don't always ask for for criticism, consent. <laughs> it's just yeah, I figured enough. it out embarrassingly late in my medical career. So let's just yeah. that's my humbling. Uh, you you shared a humbling story, and that's my humbling story. I spent years not asking people for consent, even though they were in the pharmacy in front of me at my counter, and like one would think there's like an assumed consent because they're standing in front of me. Even yeah. then, 
even then, yep. like, I still think it's good to ask. And like, it always, <laughs> this is just like a life tip. Now I'm just being a dad. Um, yeah. Like <laughs> every single conversation you have in your whole life is going to go better. If you just ask first, like totally. Totally. every single one. Corey is asking, is this FOSIS? Am I spelling it correctly? Yeah, Corey, that is FOSIS. So the moment when a planet emerges from this, the beams of the sun is called a moment of FOSIS or an omen that speaks. So these are omens that are speaking a lot louder than the planet may normally speak. And and yeah, the, the spelling of FOSIS is P-H-A-S-I-S -S for this particular uh, version of that. Um, you've got phosphorus like almost like a phos bender but you solicited my opinion on that so I can, I can correct that one so hopefully that will be helpful um all right tanya says virgo loves to help mercury is going to be analyzing all the burners with mars right there okay all right let's keep going we're, we're gonna get through this claire uh so fine. okay we're good yeah okay. one last point on the on the sun jupiter opposition i want to make is this could be especially with the sun on that fixed star Alfard. Um, Alfard being the heart of this Hydra can be really ruthless and passionate. So th there could be an excess of, of maybe ego energy, arrogance, pride, or humility, um, especially when you're trying to untie a karmic knot, which is some of the significations of Jupiter in the third decan of Aquarius. There may be some sticky like situation that you've gotten yourself into, but be careful not to be overly aggressive. This could give you some clarity on whether it's important for you to stay and to defend your position or to just say, you know what, I need to let this go. So around this period of time, probably a little bit better to let something go, but you're going to have to make that decision uh, on your own and specific to your situation. Mm -hmm. Okay, on the 20th, um, we have Mercury making a trine to Uranus right here with at about 14 degrees of Virgo and Taurus. Some good ideas come up with Mer Mercury Uranus stuff, right? Especially with yeah. Mercury in Virgo. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that seems like very crafty. Yeah, this pay attention to any like, you know, lightning bolt ideas that come up around this period of time. Uh, efficiency breakthroughs was something that I wrote down. So maybe you have a new way of thinking of something that is really about, you know, getting, you know, your systems in line and being able to do the same job in an hour that it takes someone to do in a day. So, all right. Moving forward to the sun, moving into the third, the first decade of Virgo. So we're seeing a shift here. Uh, before that happens, we do have a full moon on the 22nd uh, with the opposition of the moon and the sun at those final degrees of Aquarius. This is the second full moon we've had in Aquarius. What are you seeing here, Claire? I like this one better than the last one. Uh, yeah, because I feel like the last one, we just had the moon right snuggled up next to Saturn. And now this one, we got the moon snuggled up right next to Jupiter, which I like much better. Yes. And then we have Venus trining Saturn from mm -hmm. Libra, who I feel like is also adding a bit. She's informing Saturn who's ruling over this moon, which I also like. So, um, you know, in general, if there was like a problem at the last lunation that or the last full moon that 
kind of showed itself or a limitation. Um, so for instance, I kind of had my own like physical, like, oh yeah, I feel old. I can't do these certain things this way anymore. Um, now we're seeing more opportunities, solutions. And uh, if it's more interpersonal or large group of people related or large system design related, Venus, I feel like is kind of giving her input of like the needs and desires of actual real people and what people need to feel safe. And, and like you were saying, feel that peace and harmony that uh, is wanting to be externally given out in Libra. Um, so yeah, it feels positive to me. It feels like a, a nice culmination of things. Yeah, I like I like this full moon, this lunation better too. Because, you know, the last time we had Mars with the sun, mm. you know, the moon was really close to Saturn. At least now we have one of the malefics that is off uh, the lunation and not aspect, aspecting it. You know, like you said, Jupiter's really close and we got that beautiful overcoming aspect from Venus to Saturn, which really, you know, this could be a point where we're really ready to commit to something too, you know, where we're really ready to say, hey, you know what, I really am interested in this for the long haul and let's, let's take some action on this and, and move forward and um, try to sustain something over time with that enduring quality of Venus and, and Saturn being mm -hmm. trined. Okay, uh, so now the sun's going to be moving into Virgo 1, and we talked a little bit about that energy being related to the uh, Eight of Pentacles, where we see a figure working on their craft. So this may be really, we're shifting from that solar type of focus to a mercurial focus, and I like this because Mercury is in its own domicile. It's going to be co-present with the sun. That's pretty nice. Mm -hmm. um, we do have Mars there, but hopefully that can be... Uh, used in a, in a functional way. So here we've seen sun moving into Virgo. What happens on this day, the 22nd? The 22nd is, a, is, of course, a master number in numerology, is the sun's going to be conjoining the fixed star Regulus on this day, because Regulus is now moved forward into Virgo instead of being in the last degrees of, of Leo. Um, Regulus is a really interesting fixed star, Claire. Um, mm -hmm. So are you familiar with like the the four royal fixed stars? A little, a little very babyish. Um, yeah. I mean, I know Regulus is the heart of the lion, yes. right? Um, and and then you got is Spica one, and mm -hmm. then is Falmohalt one. So we've got Regulus. Is so they're related to the fixed um, signs. So we've got Regulus oh, okay. for Leo and the constellation. We've got Falmohalt, which was the that's Pisces. That's so that's not then. Right. Back in the day, before procession happened, those constellations were in the fixed sign. So Fulmahalt actually used to be uh, conjoined with the fixed star Aquarius in the winter solstice. And Re Regulus was the summer solstice with the Leo. And then we have Antares, which is was the heart of the scorpion, yeah. and uh, Aldebaran, which is the eye of the bull. So we had that fixed cross that has since processed. And it's interesting that these have processed into, I think all of them have processed into mutable signs now, mm -hmm. um, really shifting the energy of these. And I think that, you know, Regulus was this royal fixed star that gave great power, but, you know, you have to be careful of the trying to gain power at all costs. And it's almost one interesting thing, and I, I love your feedback on this is, thinking about the shift from the, the most royal of royal fixed stars being in that sign of the, the maiden now, the virgin of Virgo instead of in Leo and how that may, 
how does that shift our perspective of what power really is? Yeah, I mean, the motives certainly feel different. <laughs> uh, the motivations underlying the seeking of power or the cultivation of power. Uh, I yeah. guess maybe cultivate is a good word for Virgo and uh, well, maybe not a good word, but agricultural. But yeah, motives, uh, because in, in the Pisces Virgo axes, I just there's humility there. Mm -hmm. There's an understanding of impermanence or lack thereof. Um, so it just feels like, it, it feels like a juxtaposition to me. <laughs> well, and, and you know, also I, what comes to mind is thinking that power comes really from our skill now, instead of just from being bestowed upon yeah. with like, you know, divine privilege. I love that. That's right? not, that's actually, that sounds like perfect. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's uh, that, that's been something that's been kicking around in my brain a little bit with that like shift. That. Also on the 22nd, we have a Mars uh uranus trine at 14 degrees of virgo and taurus um what do you got for me there well hopefully i mean i know you just said something about an efficiency breakthrough but perhaps yeah. this is an effort breakthrough uh, maybe go. it's a disruption in our efforts but it is a trine so yeah. happy disruption happy accidents hopefully <laughs> yeah yeah and this is really fascinating because you know this is another point where we have another planet going into a condition of phosphorus because mm -hmm. at the same time, Mars is going under the beams of the sun. So around the 22nd and 23rd, Mars is going to disappear under the beams of the sun at 15 degrees Virgo, which is called its heliacal setting. This is interesting because I, I've been doing some examinations on heliacal rising and setting of outer planets like Mars, Jupiter, and Saturn. Mm -hmm. really important stuff in the collective happens. Um, I remember, I, I want people to go back and think to the, the Mars uh, Sun conjunction on September 2nd, 2019, because this is the culmination of that two-year synodic cycle where we're going to be seeing an ending from what was begun at that period of time. Is there anything that sticks out in your mind, like as far as like uh, Mars Virgo stuff from that time? I know that's like a really specific mm. time frame. That was like 84 billion years ago. <laughs> right? I, I don't kidding. even. Yeah, pre-pandemic age, right? Uh, so it's such a different world from what Dude, we've experienced. Tell us then. what happened then. Um, well, for me, I, I definitely had some stuff in my personal life where there, it was the initiation of a particular conflict situation that I'll be really curious to see if there is a resolution to. And I'm not going to go super into it here with, with details with that, but there was something within my family where there was a conflict that came up and it's been an ongoing process. Uh, and I'd be really curious to see what, if there's been a resolution, it's been an unresolved situation. Mm. Um, so Everybody we'll dive back into your journals, stalk <laughs> yeah. yourself on Facebook, figure out what was happening in September of 2019. Yeah, it's coming right? back. <laughs> it's coming back around. And so think, so consider that there will be probably an ending that comes up in regards to whatever was started there. And then that's going to set us up for a, a, a Mars Kazemi um, on the 8th of October at 15 degrees of Libra. So Mars will be in its exile. So a, a kind of a rough Mars cycle we're going to be coming up upon that is maybe unconventional where our energy may be a little bit flagging uh, in that regard. Um, on the 24th, Mercury is going to be making an opposition to Neptune. This is cool because, well, not, I don't know if it's cool, but it is uh, 
reflective of all those squares we had. How, how did you deal with all those Mercury Neptune squares? Oh, I just kept it focused on art and the spiritual sciences. I just kept it to those things that did not need uh, my exactitude or anything like that. Um, yeah. I did some, I, I was like, those are the days I'll do some choreography because it just felt yeah. very physical and active and problem solving uh, for artistic reasons. But yeah, for this, I mean, I don't know, clean your altar. Uh, <laughs> just clean your altar. But yeah, I, I feel like the margin of error idea is back, just, you know, trying to balance details versus big picture definitely what's the meaning of it yeah yeah exactly like try to pull out and see where your vision is heading where you know like it's kind of like changing the focal point of the lens that was something i talked about my deck and workshop a lot is what lens and how do we focus and we have to put on different lenses every once in a while to get different information so i love um, that Okay, and the 26th, Mercury is then going to make a trine to Pluto. So Mercury is going through that same journey that uh, that Venus went through recently, right? Mm-hmm. So we've got the opposition to Neptune and then a trine to Pluto. So maybe some penetrating insights, some thoughts that need to be unclogged, unclog the mental toilet. You know? Yeah, like, I mean... Neptune and Pluto don't give a shit about your ego. So this is like a surrender. This feels like a surrender. So like we're yeah. being asked to let go of something. And it's yes. probably a little bit brainy because Mercury. Definitely. Yep. Uh, and then we get to the sun being at the bends. So again, another crossroads on the 29th mm-hmm. where instead of Mercury with our, maybe our skills, our communications, our thought processes, this may be an identity question potentially. Uh, a clarity question, an awareness question about where we're going to, you know, start whittling down the options to move towards a sense of motion potentially. Um, And the last thing I have, uh, as far as aspects go, is that on the 30th, Mercury leaves its domicile and moves into Libra finally. Mm. Um, What do you think about Mercury and Libra? What are we going to be focusing on there? Yeah, I mean, now there's even more like ability to rationalize and strategize and plan in a way that involves other people and keeps other people in mind. Um, One of my favorite ways of thinking about some of this, and, uh, you know, maybe this will be even more apt once Mars enters into Libra and isn't doing so well, but the Water Trio podcast with Kelly Surtees and um, what Tisdale, and then there's a third, a third woman, but they called it bitch crafting, like witchcrafting. (laughs) It's like, you know, diplomacy, but like strategic, sharp diplomacy, like you're coming off kind, but you're getting what you want. I feel like that's maybe once Mars gets in there, but this is, it's just getting started. So I I like this type of, I love that. I'm going to, I'm going to use that bitch crafting. Yeah. That's, I love it. (laughs) That's good. That's and they're they're Aussies, right? So they have uh, <laughs> that seems like a quintessential Australian type of you know thought process. Um, very cool, very cool. So we did it. We got through the month here, right? Wow, we did it. That was awesome, Claire. Yeah, Thank you thanks. so much for that. That was that was a, quite a deep dive. I hope that that was helpful for people and that people will be able to to kind of engage throughout the month and maybe come back to this because we we really did go through a lot of detailed stuff that I think that if you're engaging with it in real time in the future, it might give you some more insight. Um, A couple couple of final things here. Uh, The bird or the the animal that I pulled for this was the hummingbird. 
Do you have any hummingbirds near you in Madison? Oh my gosh, we always have hummingbirds around. Yeah, I once did a dance routine where I was a hummingbird. Oh, nice, <laughs> very cool. So, so, so some of the themes that were coming up with the hummingbird as, as a totem guide for us was, you know, lightness of being, finding joy, being present was really important. So they fly nonstop. And they're actually very aggressive territorial birds, I was finding in my research. So that kind of that kind of desire to stand up for yourself while also going with the flow of your life, because they, they, they don't stop flying because they need to keep eating, you know? So there may be this, like, we feel like we need to be these busy hummingbirds, these busy bees. Um, and I think it's about a balance between staying present in the moment, not burning yourself out, stopping to smell the little flowers every once in a while. Um, but also if you need to stand your ground, if you need to say, this is who I am, even if it's, you know, I need to leave the past behind and I don't owe you an apology. Like, like we go back to the Simone Biles thing, her standing her ground was saying, this isn't right for me right now. Mm -hmm. See you later. I'm leaving. You're like, so, uh, that kind of brings it a little bit full circle on some level. You know, I didn't see a hummingbird until I was like 20 years old. Like Are I, you I kidding me? no, I, I oh just, God. I was like, do they even exist? Are they real? <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, I had this really cool experience. I, I actually went on a bird census uh, with some friends at, at the college I was at in, in Michigan. And at the time they would catch the birds in the nets and I volunteered and I, we would go, you know, catch the birds. I would, we had to untangle them, which is a little bit like looking back on it. I hope they didn't get hurt, but we would, we would tag them and then release them. And I got to hold a hummingbird in my hand. Like that, we had a hummingbird in the in the net, and wow. it's like a really interesting experience. So really beautiful, Aww. kind of thing. Um, and then the last thing, I always do an I Ching reading to give people kind of the 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 vibe of the month. And at this point, I got hexagram number twenty eight, which is called critical mass. So this is this is a hexagram, and it was changing to fifty six. So there's some, some themes we can break down with this. Uh, this hexagram, I'm drawing it on the screen very terribly, but you'll get the idea. So this is hexagram number 28, and we've got a bunch of changing lines right here, here, and here, moving to hexagram number 56, which is called traveling or the wanderer. So a couple more themes for critical mass, too much, overload, taking a stand, setting priorities, making choices. And this energy is moving to the wanderer, traveling, unsettled, unsettled, tentative, uncertain, in transition, exploration, trying new experiences. Um, so some questions that are brought up, and maybe we can reflect on this together. 28, this is from Hilary Barrett, her translation of the I Ching, says, what is overloaded? What have you outgrown? What must you do, right? Uh, and then 56 says, what do you bring with you into each new situation? You know, like the seven of swords, potentially, what are you going to bring with you from the past? And where, what does this place ask of you? So how can we, how can we bring this into the, the energy of the, the, the astrology we've seen in August, Claire, what do you think? How can we put mm -hmm. that into perspective? Well, if you have too much of something, you usually have to let some of that go. Yeah. And if it's outgrown, like you say, then when we let go of it, whatever comes into that void space will be better, right? Or hopefully more in align with what we want to do. That's how I feel about that first chunk. 
Yeah, I, th- I think so. We, we're trying to, with all that Virgo energy that's coming in, we're really trying to, you know, just be discriminatory about what we're going to keep in our lives and what we're going to to just return to time and move forward from. Now, here's here's some interesting things with the changing lines that'll bring that into play. Line two says, withered willow sprouts new branches. An old man takes a young wife. This is beneficial. So hope and possibility of renewal, maybe from something with the past, partnering with fellow beginners, having beginner mind, I think was was part of the things that came up. Uh, maybe an unorthodox uh, alliance, the return of hope. But this is interesting because it's contrasted by line five that says, withered willow puts forth flowers. An old woman takes a young husband. So the opposite is true where it says no blame or no praise. Now, this is where some of the challenges of an older document that may have been written in times where it was there was probably certain gender roles and expectations. Mm-hmm. But one of the things that they talked about with that was a fruitless attempt at renewal because mm-hmm. the old woman uh, was, she they were trying, if they coupled, Mm-hmm. She wasn't able to produce children. And that was like kind of the, what, what they considered like the creative process. Mm-hmm. So they, they talk a little bit about assessing a situation realistically mm-hmm. and, and getting into the, the point where is this thing that you're moving forward towards um, fruitful? Fruitful. Yeah. Can it can it really bear fruit? Yeah, I mean, that's really the... No, I mean, despite the gender stuff with that, if you can just like look at what they're saying archetypally, it's like a a a willow blossom coming from a withered whatever. Uh, They're comparing this barren woman essentially to that because she's older and she's done having children. And it's basically saying like, if you're going to put but there's a young man there as well. So that almost says like there's some effort or energy or planning that was put into this little vignette that is given to us. And and so it's what you're saying, like if we're going to put in effort, if we're going to put in planning, bringing people together, blah, 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 is it actually going to do anything? I mean, and I think we've all had moments in our life where we're putting a lot of energy into something and then, you know, it's just not it's yeah. not like where is it going why like uh and, and what could be better in that space um and then with the beginner's mind i mean part of that process of putting something behind and then moving forward is be having beginner's mind is difficult yes like boy with ego and pride and stuff i have a very difficult time <laughs> with it yeah. uh yeah it's hard especially if you've been really good at something and you've been an expert right. at something and then you have to be with like it's good like that's good for you to be with people who are students as well and for you to be the student sometimes Mm -hmm. um yeah being the vagabond traveler just like learning stuff again yeah this is what i love about uh capricorn sons like so my daughter is a capricorn son and i'm sure that you've had this experience too as a capricorn son is capricorns are not afraid of like starting at the bottom and working their way up to the top you know what I'm saying? I've seen her go through that process a number of times. Like yeah, recently she just committed to learning how to play basketball. And she's like, I've never played basketball, but I want to do this. And I want to play for my high school team. And she's, awesome. I see her out there every day, like grinding, you know, that's great. And, and that's that beginner mind. And she did it with swimming. She's done it with all these things. And, and like I said, you, you're doing that now with a new career, like that you're, you left a career where you were an expert and, you know, you've become over time an expert in this to start this new career and build this again that's such a a fascinating 
journey to witness, um, you know, and appreciate that the Capricorn people in your life, because, you know, they're, they're, they are, man, I just marvel at that, that energy. And we that have our way. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It, 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 it's, it, there's a toughness to it that I really, uh, there's a bravery to that, that type mm -hmm. of uh, thing. So good, good for all of you, for sure. One, one more changing line. So I love I love that you're talking about the dichotomy between these two and, and asking yourself the question, is it worth it to put this energy in or is it not? Is it going to be fruitful or not? Um, line six says, passing through the water, it goes over one's head, misfortune, but no blame. So this is about getting in over your head with that, you know, that Sun-Jupiter opposition like you were talking about. Mm -hmm. um, but there may be great sacrifices necessary if you really want to do this, that's what it was saying. If you, this is something you really want to choose, there's going to be a lot of work. You know, it's like, and I, I've told my daughter this, do you really, you sure you want to play varsity basketball your senior year after never playing organized basketball? And she's like, yes. <laughs> like, okay. Oh, wow. That's the stakes. I didn't realize yeah. those were the stakes. That's so Capricorn. It's like, right. I'm a late, I'm, I'm a little late, but yep. I'm here and I'll, I'll, I'll catch up. It'll be fine. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> And it's in her blood, though, because I played I played varsity basketball my senior year without playing any organized basketball. You're so, kidding. So I've done it and it's hard. It's really hard. Um, <laughs> but I have faith in her. And I think that, uh, yeah, like you said, w willing to do the crazy amount of work that it would take to do that, you mm -hmm. know, like you playing catch up. That's another that is, is that Capricorn thing, like playing catch up, like the late arriver. I mean, in general, Saturnian things in a chart yeah. is just like late blooming and it's, totally. it's fine. So I, I love telling people, you're not late, you're right on time. <laughs> perfect, perfect. Um, but yeah, saying, is the sacrifice really worth it? Is, is all this, these hours and hours invested? You know, and, and I try to remind her right now because if, her and I have gone through this together with swimming and I sort of turned into a crazy Virgo person. Uh, I, hopefully I've learned from that and say you know what it's a journey it's not about you know not becoming an olympian it's like the point of this is learning that we can go from beginner mind and go through the process and show up every day for whatever and whatever results are going to happen because at this point who knows what happens with COVID? there may not even be a basketball season do you know what i'm saying knock on wood i hope for her sake i hope there is because right it's a no-cut sport at her high school and if she wants to play she'll play Mm -hmm. You know, but at the same time, like what it's given me, and I've discussed this with Tanya, is a, a, a way to connect with her, like a father-daughter activity that we can mm -hmm. do together. We don't have, to argue, don't have to argue about, it's just, let's share the love of this together. And that mm -hmm. alone is worth it, regardless of what happens outside of that. So I think, that, I think that's about being in the moment, right? And saying, you know, no attachment to outcomes. There you go. That, that, that's what this month is about. Go through the process. Don't get attached to the outcome. Appreciate that journey while keep still keeping your eye on where you want to go because that is important to have that motivation. But don't get obsessed with it, you mm -hmm. know. And and I think that that's really going to lead us, I think, to to where we want to be. Yeah. No, it sounds good. All right. Wow, Claire, you're you're really. Do you use the I Ching? Because you've got some good insight with no, that. No, I've never seen it. There's some lines and some numbers. Yeah. Whoop, whoop. Yeah. And just, just to finish off with that 56, I mean, traveling is really about, you know, not knowing all the answers. They really were talking about visiting a foreign land and really having the type of respect for the place that you're in that is because it's unfamiliar. Mm -hmm. Like there's this, a warning story in that 
hexagram about a, a, a leader of a, of a tribe that, that visited a land and did a dance for the, the king there, but he like was too sexy and like got his wife like like really like hot and bothered. And then that that person was like really upset and like executed all the people and stuff. So so don't do a sexy dance for somebody. Oh my God. It's just like having flashbacks right now. I once did a I, I'm a pole dancer sometimes. I do dance. I'm a burlesque mm -hmm. dancer. I'm a teacher yeah. of dance and things. And I did a Harley Davidson rally. Yeah. And the wives didn't know I was going to, I don't think they told the wives I was going to, or any of us were going to be there. Right. And it was a nightmare. Yeah. And I was that person. You were the wanderer. Like... You were the traveler. You know, you the, you know, respect yeah. the customs of where you're at. <laughs> like, I think that's important when we're traveling because we're more vulnerable because we don't have, you know, the types of things that we can rely on. We don't have familiarity to rely on when we're in those new situations. So mm -hmm. that, that would be my advice on that. Mm -hmm. So I'm just like great advice. Yeah. Can we go through just a little end of the chat here and see if there's anything? Oh, yeah. I just have to be a part at a, like a going away party at 3 p.m. my time. Okay. So like that's All it. Right. So this we're is almost done here, folks. You've, you've stuck with us this long. Thank you for that. And thank this you is for like these... the astrology podcast length. We're getting to that territory. <laughs> yeah, you know, because <laughs> you, know, you shaved your head. There you go. I'm getting in touch with my inner Chris Brennan here, you know. Uh, okay, so we've got, let me see if there's any questions. We got some really great comments. I'm going to kind of whittle, whittle through here so that we can respect uh, Claire's time and let her go on her way. Casey Jones says, hummingbirds are very special to me. I saved one years ago and it was a, it was a spiritual experience. Then it hopped on my friend's yarrow stem bundle for I Ching, bringing me that good yarrow medicine. Yeah, in the, in the I Ching, they tossed coins, but also these yarrow sticks to get the hexagrams. Tanya says, my plan is to channel my inner hummingbird and eat half my weight in nectar each day to live my best sugar-hyped life. <laughs> oh, no. I'm going to have to deal with the fallout of that. Um, <laughs> Venus rules sweetness. So this is a great animal for this time. Yes. Um, okay. Looking to see if there's any questions. Questions, questions. Sherilyn said that a hummingbird feels like a message from my mom who sent to me recently after she passed away. Well, I'm sorry, Sherilyn, Aww. to hear that happens, but it's nice to, to get little messages from spirit when that's sure happening. Is. And Tarya says, we will always stick with you. <laughs> like, thank you, Tarya, for sticking with us this long. So this was fantastic, Claire. Thank you so much for, for uh, joining me today. Thank you all of you in the audience. Um, I just want to give you uh, some heads up here, but first, Claire, remind us again of the, the events that you have coming up and where we can find you and your services. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Um, so in general, events, every Tuesday on Instagram Live, I do an hour of very casual discussion about astrology, and I just kind of blab if people don't ask me questions. Um, and then once a month, I do virtual astrology club. Sign up is on Instagram, aligninglightastrology.com for my website. Um, I'm Aligning Light Astrology on all of the platforms. Um, and then on 8 8 in August, uh, it's a Sunday, New Moon and Leo workshop with me and Tristan Skye, who's another astrologer. So you can sign up for that on my website. Nice. And I'm a fan of office hours, although I come and play a little bit of a Hermes trickster. You're role. my heckler. <laughs> I come and heckle Claire <laughs> at her office hours and just like try to bring some comic relief and put her on the spot. Just a little mystery. No, it's good for me. But it's all with love. I, I think that, again, I with our Midwestern background, this is something that my 
California partner doesn't get because it's not part of the culture, but chop busting is like a, a sort of endearment. Uh, I grew up with two older brothers. <laughs> so this is my life. This is why I'm a good sport, they say. It's because, yeah, welcome to my whole life. <laughs> totally. And so, so thank you so much for being here today, Claire. And I just want to say for everyone out there that <clears throat> if you're a fan, of Claire, please go support her, book a reading, show up to office hours, show up to the, you know, the events that she has coming up. Um, if you want to support the channel and the work that I do here, uh, make sure you hit that like button. That's the easiest thing that you can do. Uh, subscribe to the channel, leave me a comment. Um, I have a newsletter if you want to keep up to date with what is going on and all, all things Spencer. I've got some, some stuff in the hopper that I'm working on here. I do have a, a special guest that's coming up for the, the new moon in Leo next week. Uh, my very good friend Achuta Bhavadas is going to be appearing on Wednesday, August the 4th. My astrology teacher of Nightlight Astrology is going to be joining me for a live stream. Uh, on I Tuesday. love them. I'm so excited. It's, it, I'm, I'm, I'm excited. It's going to be fun. It's, things are coming full circle with Achuta, and he's going to be on at 2.30 uh, p.m. on Wednesday, August the 4th. So mark, mark your calendars and, and, and show out for that crew here. It'll be fun. An interesting conversation between the two of us. And um, yeah, I think that is what I've got for today. If you want to make a material donation to the work that I do, you can buy me a coffee at buymeacoffee.com. All right. We did it, Claire. <laughs> this is wonderful. Thank wow. you so much for being in here. I really am appreciating your your journey and your wisdom, Thanks. and you crushed it. So thank you for for your assistance today and for all thanks of for your your insights. All right, and thanks all of you for being here today. And we will see you the next time. Thanks, care, everybody. Everyone. Bye.